Okay, guys, uh, welcome. This is Coffee and Conversations, episode one. Today, I am in Malal with a very exciting interview with Lewis and Gareth, and they are representatives. Gareth is the owner. Lewis is a worker for 38 Espresso. I'm super excited. So, Lewis, Gareth, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. And thank you very much for this opportunity today. I'm really excited. So, first of all, Lewis, what led you into this industry? Okay, so uh, starting out about, well, I was 16, so that's eight years ago roughly now. Okay. I um, turned 16 and was told by the mother that that was, that was it's time to get a job. Yeah, and, uh, the reality's hitting the ra- here. Reality landed and the next day I was told of where I could find one. Um, so I lived in Ashbury and Bangor at the time. And there's a wee shopping complex just sort of down the street. A new cafe had opened up and then a sign in the window. And my mum is from the 60s, so she's one of those ones that sends you out with like 400 copies of your CD. <laughs> yeah, the photo on it. Chat the doors and stuff like that. So I uh, dropped one in, got the job. Brilliant. Uh, 38 Espresso was the supplier at the time. So that's actually the first coffee. So that was your first insight to 38 Espresso? I, my first insight into the coffee industry and anything to do with coffee was provided by 38 Espresso. Uh, so original training, um, first machine, La Spaziale S2, and first blend of coffee, all of it came from 38 Espresso. So that's Impressive. where I started. And uh, I'd kind of wanted since before I got the job to be a barista. I was like, uh, I was thinking, you know, if I wanted a starting job, do I want to stack shelves? Do, what do I want to do? Like, mm. you know, what am I likely to get? And yeah. what do I want to be a barista because it's uh, it seems a bit more interesting than yeah. just you know putting the same boxes on shelves all day and stuff like that. It doesn't seem as repetitive. Uh, and I like to be active as well. So you're on your feet and you're talking to people. Change of scenery. Change of scenery. Dynamic. People. I like talking to people. So yeah. I like you know standing in a shop all day, only directing people to aisles isn't for me. So straight in, loved it. Uh, you know was really good with people talking away um and then started making the coffees and stuff like that and i'll admit at the start probably like most people uh, i had no idea what i was doing um i got i was i was given the training the training was brilliant i'd never done it before so i had to you know had to had the time to get used to it yeah. so i was still burning things and i was doing it wrong it wasn't coming out right and of course never, never get the art to sit and stuff like that but um uh, you know as the time went on uh, got busier it became second nature and art you know the art started coming out and you started to get a bit more into doing it and, and taking pride and stuff like that so there'd be we used to do our lattes and the glasses um, okay. and with the three tiers okay. so you've got like the foam you, you pour your foam in after you've done you do your milk and you pour it into the glass you let it set the foam separates from the bottom of the milk okay. you can see the colour change yeah, there's yeah. Every line you get a spoon put it in the top pour your espresso slowly and the espresso forces the milk and the foam to se- separate Interesting. You get like three layers. So, so it's like a nice aesthetic to look yeah, at in the glass. It's all straight lines and it goes white, brown, white, and it looks brilliant. Okay. You send those out to people. And you, it was at that point, you know, you're sending it out to somebody and you find yourself, you're looking at the table, waiting for them to see it. And, and you know, because you want them to acknowledge that you've, you've yeah. made it and stuff like that. So Absolutely. And it was at that point where I was sitting looking at that going, why am I standing staring at this table? I've served, I have other things to do. Why am I waiting? It was. I'm starting to realize at that point that it was the the reaction to the coffee that I was sort of looking for more that I wanted to I wanted to be the one making really good cool coffees that yes. like people liked of course I knew it and it was like a sign that I was also getting I was 16, 17 at the time so yeah. I wanted basically to know that I was 
good and skilled. You're getting better, getting every better day, pretty much. Your craft and like people would just like get the the coffee and they would just like, drink it straight with like stirring it and stuff like that. And be like, what's going on here? Like, don't do that. But <laughs> I was that's where I sort of started to realize that I really liked being a barista. Yeah. Um, but um, at the way the industry sort of was at the time, there was no education. There was no path laid out in front of somebody who joined any company or any cafe as a barista like nobody had explained to me that you could go further yeah i just thought you know you make drinks like this is a ladder in yeah. our industry here's where you are this is all the things in between and this is what you can do it didn't exist it yeah. wasn't it wasn't there it was just you are you, you come into the a cafe and you're yeah. either a, a worker it was all it was waiter slash barista every job was wait staff slash barista so it was always tagged on to something else yeah you won't be focusing on coffee you'll be running yeah. food you'll be doing other things washing coffee's not important it's yeah. just there yeah. so that's kind of how it was and you either go from being waitstaff slash barista to manager or owner and that's not coffee that's hospitality or the cafe industry yeah. not specifically coffee so uh, unfortunately being a, a kid at the time I had to just sort of work around that so I worked in hotels and uh, a couple of bars and restaurants and stuff, um, just doing general weight stuff, but always trying to, as much as possible, stay close to the coffee machine. So yes. like, I used to work in a restaurant in Donegadee, and I mean, the coffee machine was crammed behind the where you pay. You come in the door, and there's like a bar this high, yeah. and that's where you sort of talk and pay, and then directly behind them, I believe it was a one grip machine in the corner with a dosing chamber grinder. Okay. So it would literally just stick the portafilter under, slap the grinder twice, yeah. whack that onto the machine, push a button, whatever comes out is what you get. That's what you get, and you have a steam one to do with what you can. So it, I, I, doing it, and you're like, ah, oh, this really isn't satisfying. Like, obviously, this isn't what I want to be doing. Um, and then progressing forward, sort of COVID hit, and cafes ceased to, to be sort of in, in, in my. Uh, what I needed for like living and stuff like that, so I had to sort of come out of it a wee bit, and then hated hated everything I did outside of hospitality. I've done, I did care, I did retail, I did uh, direct sales. It just was not satisfying you. No, because I think what I've explained, uh, what I tried to explain to people before, is that I like I my brain works through cause and effect. So if I have a job where I have a, I have a I do something, yeah, I can't it's a I can't measure the effect. I don't know what I'm doing. It's exactly like the, the conversation that we had sort of earlier about why. It's like, I need to know why. Yep. You asked me to do something, just can you go out and do this for, you know, just go out and do it, okay? I'm not questioning you. Yeah. I just want to understand what it is you hope to achieve by me doing that. So, so you're going to help towards that goal. Exactly. So if someone's like, can you go out and do this because I Vision. want X to happen, it's like, yeah. okay, now that I know what you want to do, I know what mistakes not to make because I might be doing it and I might go, oh, I could do this, but I could also do that. Yeah. I'll have different goals, but it's the same sort of thing. So if I know why, that sort of makes it easier. You can stay focused yeah. on the goal exactly. and you won't be deterred away from that. So making coffee, happen easily. making coffee, you know that I know that if I get it out of the grinder and I've set the grind and I know if I tamp it this way and put it on the machine and push this button and it goes to 30 seconds, and I do them up, I know what all of these mean and I know what the end result will be and I can see it when I give it And to when the that person. customer sips, you see, like you say, you would glance down and be looking at them, like yeah. 
you know, like taking a sip and how they're reacting and smelling yeah. it first. And that's part of the experience, isn't it? Exactly. And it makes your job worthwhile and you're you're walking back to the machine like, yes. I did that right. I know what I'm doing. Whereas when I worked, for example, I worked for, I was on the phones for a bank and I could send up to £20,000 on some, from somebody's account to somebody else's account on the computer over the okay. phone. And all you got at the end of it is just the screen saying transaction complete. And yeah, that's confirmation. But that person will just say, yeah, thanks and hang up the phone. Yeah, that's all they want. That's all they came there to do. Yeah, they're and not. And all day long you're doing that, and then there's other like that's probably that's probably the best example or the worst example because that actually does give you a straight answer that you have done your job. Yeah. Um, the other one that I always used to hate was people would phone us up for an ATM dispute and say like the, the machine ate my money, and I'd be mm-hmm. I'd be talking to them and I I know I'm going through this whole form with them to record the incident and I know at the end of this form is a blurb where I have to tell them that it can take 28 days for anything to come of this because they have to go and contact the machine or the company that owns the machine you have to look at the machine count it go through its error codes there's a process there's a process you can't just take somebody at face value that they didn't get £200 out of a machine yeah so I don't know like I don't take charge of that like after I've logged it it's not important I move on to the next call yep I I haven't helped that person. That person is no more in the know than I am. Yeah. I can't handle that when it comes to, I need to have, I need to measure my effectiveness. So when it comes to the bank, you know, working in Sainsbury's to a lesser extent, but still like you didn't feel like you were doing much. Basically any job that feels like you're just banging your head off the wall because somebody's told you to do it. Yeah, you're you're built for more. I I need- If you're ambitious, it's not gonna satisfy. Exactly. So. Uh, I ended up getting COVID bounced me from job to job for a wee bit and I ended up working in a hotel and uh, I was on the bar uh, so I actually got to work with the coffee machine again I was like I actually, you know, I'm actually liking working with this coffee machine again COVID everybody got furloughed that was it out so I thought I can either go back to the hotel after furlough but that ended up getting extended for three months I was like right well what am I going to do you're at a position here where there is no there's very, very little option left for you. Um, but then I saw that there was a, a another coffee sort of chain. Um, we're looking sort of quite a big drive for staff. So I thought, you know what? It'd you be a good way, good way to get back into the industry, making coffee, um, a bit more experience now. Um, more confident. More confident. Didn't quite know what I could handle, but I knew that I could definitely handle what I'd done before. Mm. Um, so got the job. Came out. I was actually they were thinking about putting me into the kitchen until I made a coffee, and the way it was actually quite funny because it was sort of a they were like we can always time in the kitchen. <laughs> literally, it, what happened was it was there was two two hiring managers, a man and a woman, and it was the the woman who she managed she managed the kitchen, he managed the cafe. Okay, so they were doing it together, but they were clearly fighting for like the best staff, like yeah. who was going where. And she was talking to me before he was, so she was a guy. Oh, like negotiating. So she, she was just kind of just not mentioning the cafe. I was kind of just sort of just staring me towards the kitchen, and I was like, "Yeah, one hundred percent." And she was like, "Just make me a wee coffee there on the coffee machine." So I um, um, I uh, had made a coffee on the coffee machine, and when he walked past and saw, he kind of stopped. I just want to do that again for me. Yeah. And uh, when I made another one, he was like, "Right, so you're not getting into the kitchen now. You're you're, you're too skilled. You're you're going to be on the. We the, need you from the house. We need you on the front of the house. So he, he said, 
he sort of looked at me, he's like, what, he's, you haven't, I haven't really spoke to you, so just tell me a bit about yourself. And I, I had noticed at this point that she was staring me into the kitchen and uh, he had seen that I was good at the coffees. So I was also a wee bit older than the other staff there at the time. So as soon as he said, what's, what's your stick? I was like, I'm 23 and I've worked in cafes for six years. So and he's I, like, that, that, was, that was me kind of just saying to him, please, I want to be out in the front of the coffee yeah. machine. And as soon as I said that, he was like, no bother, that's you. Did you feel responsible because everyone else was younger? Did you feel starting in that job that these guys are younger than me? I've got this experience. So now can I show them the right way? Yes, uh, it was almost immediate without, without trying to like overstep the position I had. Yeah. I was kind of like, you could see the mistakes were being, and it, you, know, you know yourself, you're working on a coffee machine. If you're not experienced, it's not entirely safe. Like it's, it is a machine that is hot and you can injure yourself if you're not experienced. So while I was working on the coffee machine and people were doing it, and people were holding on to portafilters and talking and stuff like that. Yeah. I was just starting to point out like safety things. It's like, you know, you don't want to do this. You don't want how you want to do that. Yeah. And people Communication's like, a big one. Exactly. With hot water and stuff. Like yeah. That. yeah. And then, so why I did feel responsible just because there was like, a, like certain people just didn't know. And then obviously as I became more friendly with them and then I sort of got to know them a bit better, you just, you do feel responsible because you're like, I'm now friendly with these people yeah. and if they get in trouble, I feel bad because I know that I could have done something yes, to you, just, just guide you in a different direction yeah. to stop you getting shouted at. So eventually I did start um, just training people on making coffee and stuff like that. You know, people would make a mistake and I'd be like, do you know, I wouldn't, I would never go up and go like, right, you've done that wrong. Yeah. I'm going to retrain you now. Okay. I would always talk to people and go like, so, because uh, I didn't know I was getting friendlier with them sort of in work and then when you want to get to know them, you'd be like, right, so have you actually made coffee before or like, was there, is there, have you ever had coffee training or, or what, what is the crack with you and, and the coffee machine? And people would be like, well, I think I know what I'm doing. And I'd be like, right. It's always very different, isn't it's it? It's very different. So, so you think you know what you're doing. I have got coffee training. Would you like me to show you sort of what to do? Um, and that was your first taste of yeah, training? Yeah, that was, that was my first taste of training was showing, like basically people couldn't understand the, the owner who was doing the coffee training was a bit overbearing. Okay. He would be like, sort of like, this is how you do it. And if you got it wrong, you would retrain you completely. Okay. And it was a bit much for certain, like some people starting to switch off because they're like, I don't need to hear all this again because I've just made one mistake. Mm. I don't need the whole process again. So I was quite good at not reinforcing mistakes, but not like coming down like a ton of bricks on people who had made like, maybe all the done was drop the jug a wee bit too low and there was a wee bit of overfroth in there. So the milk's more bubbly than what it should be for the drink they're trying to make. Whereas the owner would have probably got them to throw the jug out and redo it. Okay. I would have just been like, right, no, you're all right. Just give it a, a bang and a swirl as the way you normally would. Okay, it's still a bit too foamy, get the spoon. So there's or, like ways to correct it. Ways, there's ways and means around things that you okay. don't need to panic. And if with, when, when you've got experience and you're doing training, you can you show everybody the right way to do things and then show them how to get around their own mistakes because they're going out, they're not gonna get this right immediately. So they need to know how to fix it without causing more issues to the, the cafe. Yes. So like basically getting people to not panic when it all goes wrong. So staying example, cool. Staying cool. I think that's, that's a really impressive trait in anybody, mm. in any industry, but really in hospitality because we talked about it earlier, like you're on show, you're front of house, customer facing. Yeah. Your emotion is on show. So when things go wrong and they do every single day, um, unfortunately, that's just the, the industry we work in. Mm-hmm. 
how do you deal with that? You know, there's always a solution. How calm and cool can you stay? So it depends. So it does depend on what has gone wrong. Yeah. So like, for example, because I have lost my cool before and I will, I swear, I'll give you that. I'll give you an example of that, but that wasn't anything to do with any customers. That was entirely to do internal. That okay. was a staffing issue. But like we in the, the larder, uh, it's the one we started off in in Ashbury, um, it only had like enough seats for 36 people or something like that. It was quite a small unit, but it was uh, everything was fresh, brought, uh, bought in. So the coffee was obviously from up the road. The bread was fresh every two days. So the, one loaf came in and then the next day another loaf came in and the one from yesterday became the toasty bread. Lovely. So everything was rotated like it was that fresh. Yeah. And people came in for the freshness. So there was days when you were full house, like yeah. the door was open for the for the ventilation, sweats running off you. Yeah. And we had this guy and he got up and he shouted at me because him and his mum were in and, and they were one of, you know, the cafe was full, everybody had ordered food and they were waiting on two sandwiches and two soups. And the soups were fresh made daily and the sandwiches were fresh made the order. So him and everybody else was waiting. We'd taken orders, we're in the middle of still taking orders. It's not like we were standing still. And he got up and he shouted at me. And I, I, I panicked, I had a moment of like, oh God, this customer's shouting at me, what do I do to fix this? And then I looked around and just, and in that moment I had this like, there's absolutely, you know when you, when you make a mistake and your brain always tells you there's something more you could have done? Yeah. This was just like, there is absolutely nothing, nothing you can do here. You don't have. So you evaluated the situation? Evaluated the situation quite, for the first, the first time I'd ever done it and I'm surprised it happened so quickly. Yeah. Just looked about and went, what actually do you want me to do? Yeah. Like you've been sitting here with nothing to do but look around you for the 20 minutes you say you've been waiting. So you can see that there is a girl making sandwiches over there. Yeah. And there's somebody making coffee and somebody else walking the floor. I think this guy clearly didn't come from our industry. Yeah. And I think you, you notice straight away, like when, even when uh, people leave um, a mess at the table, I'm like, oh, you know, they probably have never worked in hospitality. Yeah. But see when you see like the dad and seven kids, messy pups and the mum's away, she's already packing them in the car. And he's waiting behind, he's getting the plates yeah. and he's actually asking for a brush or a cloth. He's like, sorry about that, I'll brush that up. There are the moments you're like, wow, these guys understand. And it's such a nice, relieving thought mm-hmm. and feeling just that these guys appreciate what we've done today. Exactly. Because we're hyper-focused for eight hours a day. It's really difficult to do. And people will, obviously, that's another thing that like you see people stacking your plates for you and they're stacked properly. Like yeah, it's beautiful. Like, that's been done yeah. by a professional. Yeah. And that's brilliant because there will be somebody who's not a professional that comes in and sits at that table while the plates are still there because yeah. you haven't had a chance to clean it yet. Yeah, yeah. And they're the people that haven't worked in the industry because they don't they just see demand. it. They don't see it. They'll either do it because they don't care that it's dirty or they'll be like, this table hasn't even been cleaned yet. Of course. And that's the and you're, you're battling against that. Um, and like you say, you can get people that just have been in the industry and they're like, this table, you could have poured the coffee over me. And I wouldn't care because I understand that you're maybe having a bad day. Yeah. And I'm willing to let the mistake. Absolutely. I, I find like I could walk in and the guy could scream at me and like spill the coffee. And if that happens, I know that that's not a professional barista attitude or, you know, that's not something that normally happens in a coffee shop. Yeah. So I can go, that guy's probably having a bad day. I can let it slide this once. And then if it keeps happening, obviously there's an attitude there, but like. I, I, that's right in what you're saying that people in the industry can take a lot more and they are, are willing to sort of let a lot more go when it understand. comes to that where exactly where under, be understanding whereas yeah. that guy 
you, you, a blind man could have assessed the situation and seen that there was nothing else that anybody could have done. Yeah. But he just popped just off. Just a bad day and he, yeah. he seen you, you were in his line of vision and he was like, I'm going to go with this guy. And then, now, as I got older and, you know, customers are starting to get lippy with you and stuff like that, you realise, again, that some people are just out the mouth off and it's not personal. Like, again, it, it's the company. Um, I worked in a drive-thru and it wasn't designed well for to be a drive-thru and people were, would start giving off at us because yeah. there's only two of us in the window trying to do an entire drive through line that doesn't really work. So you're getting it. So we're getting it and I know that they're having to go at me yeah. but again, I've assessed the situation and there's not much else I can do. I can't be for the flash running yeah. from one side to the other trying to get frozen drinks and coffees and tray bakes and donuts from five different places to give to this person in under three minutes. Like it's just not possible for me to do all that. So whenever they start giving off at me, their opinion doesn't matter. Like you're sitting in, you're the hardest thing you've had to do is tell me what you want and then sit there on your phone and then check back in at the time whereas I'm running and doing all that stuff. Yeah. So you can have your opinion mm-hmm. on how long it should take me to do something. But if you're not trained to do any of this stuff, it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Like I get it's like, okay, it should take me two minutes to get you your coffee, your frozen drinks and all that stuff. But if I brought you behind here right now, it would take you ten yeah. to figure out how to use the coffee machine to get a coffee out of it and then to fill your cups properly, find the lids. In it. So you people are having to go with you, and you have to kind of have either a mix of two mindsets or be in one, which is don't care what your opinion is because you're not trained, and you'll it'll get done. Uh, not being rude to them, but just not taking it personally, not taking it on board. Yeah. And there's like understanding that the other person doesn't. There's I'm being understanding and like, you know, they don't, they don't mean it. And then there's I don't care about because you don't know. Yeah. So you have confidence in yourself because you know you're doing the most that you can. Yeah. Or you know that they don't mean what they're actually saying, mm-hmm. so you can be you can just sort of pass it off. Um, but that's like the only way that I could communicate that to my younger staff as well because I find a lot of the younger staff did take things quite personally. As a kid, you know, if somebody shouts at you, you, you don't think to offload it to the bigger entity that you represent because they've shouted at you. Yeah. So they believe that it's them that's getting shouted at. And trying to communicate to them that, like, no, like, you know what it is that you need to do. And if you're doing that and somebody has a go at you and they don't know, you can't, don't take that personally because you already know that you're doing the best. Yeah, that you're you can. doing a great job. Continue that, and that that's pretty much the the only the, the, that's how I deal with situations like that. I just assess what has been done. Yes, and by me, and go right. Well, what actually is expected of me in this situation? Because if I've done everything and it just hasn't been enough, yeah. You can do like if you're trying to make coffee for four thousand people and you run out of coffee beans because somebody else didn't order it. You haven't made a mistake, yeah. But you're going to feel like it because there's so many people waiting on you to make the coffee, yeah. You You've to, done your part. You somebody else hasn't done their part. You just you have to under, assess the situation logically, and just actually take a grasp of what's happening in the place because yeah. it's very easy to get panicked when it's busy, and you oh what what do we need to do? There's so loud. There's so many people. What do we need to do? Somebody besides you is like, I've got all the orders taken here, it's all on the hotel. It looks busy, but just take a step back and assess the Focus situation. Focus on the job. And what? you'll see that it's all been taken care of. You just need to take a step back. and Stay calm, focus. stay cool, collective. Have a reset point as well. So we had a corner of the of the island where every five minutes or ten minutes, everybody would sort of, as soon as you saw somebody standing there, others would start to gather around the corner. Just like two or three people, just okay. like, right... What have you done? Right, this is section A. That's tables one to five. This is what they've got. 
there's a section and then you would just basically tell you or what I make it's like a debrief of the, the service yes okay everybody if it was busy it was like every 10 minutes obviously the less busier it is the more it gets spread out because you yeah. don't need to be back there every so often but just making sure that everybody understood what was going on in the whole cafe because if, if the owner came out of the kitchen because she the owner doesn't really know about you know all that um or we might have change things about it. It's, it's the floor staff are talking to each other about what they're doing. Constantly communicating. Exactly. Everything is on the counter for you. know where everybody is. Yeah. You know, Johnny's doing a toilet check. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah's outside. She's going to be doing some marketing for it. Yeah. Like, it's so important. Yeah. Especially an owner. If an owner comes out and questions you, like, what's happening? What's a script? Exactly. You don't know. They're like, okay. Because that's this exactly can't what be she did. Smooth, that's exactly what she did. Okay. She, the kitchen was uh, a room that was separate, um, but it was just ju- an open doorway. She just had to walk out and she was in the floor. Okay. But she would just ask the first person she clapped eyes on what the story was with the floor. Mm-hmm. So the cafe was quite small. I mean, like if this was the island here, it would have been about this length and the door would have been just behind you. Wow, okay. So she would have just come out and then it would be the cafe down there. Yeah. So she'll come out, talk to the people here and ask about that. But like you know if it doesn't matter what where you are you need to know what the story is with the whole cafe yeah because she doesn't care about whose section it is everybody needs to know what's going on and we sort of had to figure that out for our, ourselves but that was a way that i find that you can keep con- even if it is super busy if everybody knows what's going on it's not because it's only super busy because it's all happened at once and you yeah. need that you need to figure out what's happening of course but if you already know what's happening yeah and keep it updated it doesn't matter if somebody new comes in because you don't need to focus on anybody else because it's already been handled. Yeah. You know, there's basically only one customer uh-huh. to worry about. If the processes are all happening for the other ones yeah. and everyone's in control, you can then slow it down to, to that speed. Uh, and I just found that keeping everybody sort of in the loop mm. made it just much easier to, it's self-explanatory. Like yeah. keeping everybody in the loop makes it easier. To yeah, well, you know, what you say, so it's it absolutely, to us it's self-explanatory, but There'll be a lot of people maybe listening that will be like, well, I never thought about that. Mm. And hopefully there's a lot of owners listening and think, you know, I need somebody like that. Mm. Maybe I need to look at my service. Maybe it's not being run smoothly. Yeah. Does my manager know what's going on at every moment? Yeah. And I think there'll be a lot of managers that don't have a clue, unfortunately. Does, do they need more training? Probably. You know, do they need to understand the system? Is that a chat with the owner? Yeah. Like, this is what I want from my service. I would say it's very much down to the attitude of the manager as well. Because yeah. if you have a manager who is not willing to listen to the staff or take the time with the staff yeah. to let them make mistakes in their sections, people aren't going to want to actually be honest about what's going on on the floor. Interesting. So if you've got, like... If you forget to take an order for a table, yeah, you need to have a manager that's like, okay, go and take the order now. Yeah, apologize. We'll get it into the system. We'll get it out as fast as we can. That'll be the end of it. Yeah, I mean, shouting at the member of staff or making oh, you idiot, you forgot that order. Yeah, that it's just going to make them scared to take orders or scared to approach customers in case they make that mistake again. If you've just chastised them for it and not given them a solution. Yeah. So if you have somebody who comes up and makes a mistake like that, again. Don't baby them. If it keeps happening, you're going to have to get firmer. But we're like, right, okay, go and take the order now. Apologize. Your mistake. We'll get get it sorted. And we'll deal from there. And then let it go. Like, at that point, let it go. Because whenever they come up again to, to debrief, they'll be like, that table that I forgot now has their order. And he'll be like, very well done. Glad they got that. That's sorted. Yeah. And that's it. Wrapped up. Done. Like, it was an issue. We let it go. They've now got the food. The customers are now happy. Yeah. Okay, cool. That problem that existed has now completely gone. Yeah. And it's only been managed because 
the manager knew about it and the member of staff felt comfortable enough to tell yeah, the yeah. manager about it because so many managers just hear the word manager and think that that means like boss. Sure, always open, white. Yeah. yeah, it's like that old school bar manager. Exactly. My first manager was the absolute like epitome of that. Like mm. he was just, you know, tough to approach as you say. Yeah. I would, if I made a big mistake, I would not be cool approaching him. I was freaking out. And that's not good because yeah. then I'm maybe not communicating as much as I need to be with him. And it, it just starts like, as soon as you have that, as soon as you have one manager, yeah, you can have 10 that are all brilliant. Yeah. And as soon as you get one yeah. that's not good, the staff start to talk amongst themselves yeah. about that really bad manager that nobody wants to talk to. You lose the dressing room. And then as that, because then, then, then you've got contempt, like a small amount of contempt and that will grow the more because people will just love to, to, to really sink their teeth into that. So if, yeah. they, like if, if all the staff have been annoyed by this one guy, then they'll all start to talk about it. Yeah. And it, but if somebody else has made a mistake and the staff now have this annoyed mentality and there's like they're all talking to each other, so they're all, it's all getting spurred on by you know each other, they might just turn on another manager who made a mistake. Yeah. Like I and him as well, and then that starts to breed this staff and management mentality yeah where it's not one team with guides and people who are learning of course it turns into the floor staff versus the management so the floor staff start to internalize everything and it starts to try and get sorted out amongst themselves which is fine if you have a break or a spillage or something like that that's fine but if you start to deal with customer complaints without going to a manager because you have this you've fostered this feeling of distrust yeah that maybe started with one person or a few people that has now encompassed the whole management team what's the point yeah nobody's talking to each other nobody knows what's going on and nobody everybody wants to go in survive get paid and leave nobody is caring about what happens to the customers in between so having a manager that is willing to listen to their staff yeah. let them make their mistakes and guide them instead of coming down like a ton of bricks will always be the better way than somebody saying you need to go out there and tell them what to do because don't tell them what to do show them what to do yeah guide them how to do it and explain why and we be there to support them throughout. Do mm. not go in. It's like I know when I do a training session for certain places that the person thinks by just by the numbers in the training session, like they put seven people on it. I'm yeah. like, right. I hope they understand these people aren't going to be baristas by the end of this. Yes, the like, expectations yeah, can't be too high because they they just want like they they want their staff trained so their staff can do it. They just want their staff to be like three months experienced from day one. Yeah, and again that puts pressure on the staff you of don't course. give you need to give the staff time to bed in to work out what they're good at to work out what they're bad at to yeah. find their niches and when they find their niches you need to start organizing the rotas so that not the, every, now not everybody should be in their top spot every day it's not possible it also doesn't give them any reason to grow in other sections mm. but i've always said the phrase put your resources with your resources and your donkeys with your donkeys you put people where they're comfortable until they're good and then I would say move them to another spot where they're less comfortable until they're comfortable enough with that one. Yeah, and put them with somebody good that will maybe encourage and build exactly. up their, their confidence. So if you've, got, if you've got a brilliant barista and a brilliant sandwich maker, but they're both awful at the opposite, have them on. Team them up. Team them up on a different day and get somebody else doing that so that he can learn how to do this and yeah. she can learn how to do that. And then by the end of the week, yeah, we've only had a little bit of training, but you can make two more sandwiches in the time it took you to make three. Yes, so you of can course. Make five instead of three, and you can make three coffees instead of one in that time, and that's progress. Yes. And if you just have to reinforce that with people, especially with uh, 
coffees I find like progress in a barista isn't being able not knowing how to make an espresso to do a latte art like yes that is progress but it's they're here and here yeah like there's so many things like you can walk before you run exactly it's like you need before you need to do latte art you need to know the difference in the textures and you know learn what that means uh what people expect from the drink how to get the drink done properly um and how to be consistent in making your art and stuff Big like time. that because i personally don't think you should be putting art on any drinks until you can repeat it five times not five times maybe but like three so if you got an order for three three drinks you should only be putting art on them if you're comfortable enough to put the same picture on the three drinks okay or different different pictures what you don't want is you're really good at a heart you're really good at a leaf and the third person's got something that maybe ran a blob the, yeah a blog or something you're, you're yeah. out of milk you didn't do it. You didn't do the texture right. So consistency, consistency, because then you get customers sitting at the same table who've got the Swan and they've got the the Rosetta, and the person who's got the basically mm-hmm. saying, "I care about you. I care about you. Don't care about you. You don't matter." So exactly. I feel a bit left out, left out. of the picture. Yeah, I'm sure you know yourself. Like somebody might have said, oh, "There's no heart in my drink," or you put a heart in their drink and they go, yeah. "Oh, you must like me," and you're like. No, it's just a bit of art, but yeah. people read more into it. Yeah, people, latte art matters more to the customer than it does to the barista. I find because the okay. barista is, just, I find that the barista is, uh, it's skill. Obviously, it's seeing what you can do, but because the customers don't know what one hundred percent how to do it, it's always a bit more like I've got no idea how you do that. That's fantastic. Yeah. So when you put something on there, it's much more effective to them than it is to us, because after a while it becomes just like a process. Um, so. I always feel like your customers will take a lot away from how their drinks presented to them. Um, so again, when when you give them art, like I say, if there's no art on it, sometimes they might take offence, or yeah. if the art is, or they might just question the quality of the coffee. Exactly. If they don't know, they're like, "Oh, it must be rubbish coffee." Exactly. Like, exactly. There's, there's no... Exactly what I you've said. You've taken the words out of my mouth there. Sorry. That like that's exactly what I say to the trainees. Yeah. It's like you give them one with a swan on it, or let's say we're let's say you and I are making a drink for the same table, and I put a swan on it. And you don't, and they look around at us. They might just think that I'm the better barista, more experienced, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or you know, if I'm older than one of them, yeah. they'll just make that assessment anyway. So I always try and train them not to put art on the drinks and show them ways around staining the crema whenever they're doing like lattes and flat whites and stuff like that. A good way to get all the foam in they need without staining the milk, um, to try and just foster that consistency. Try and yeah. hammer home to them that art is the last thing that goes in a coffee yeah. and it's the least important thing because you might have burnt it, you might have burnt the milk, you've not got the right texture. Just trying to get all this information through to the trainees. Of course. Your art is not important. The first drink you should put art on is your own. Yeah. And only your It's own. bringing the fundamentals home to them. Yeah. I think it's like, I used to coach football uh, the kids when I was younger and the hardest thing is explaining to a six-year-old that He's not going to be smashing a ball into the top corner from 40 yards yeah. or skinning a full pitch. Yeah. That's hard to explain to them because they just see their hero, mm. whether it's Jack Grealish, Steven Gerrard on TV doing those things. They're like, I'm going to be able to do this after this coach teaches me. This is amazing. Yeah. I'm going to go home and be able to do it. It's like this is a journey now that you've entered mm. and it's going to take a long time. Yeah. You might have that ability. Who knows? But you need to start with the fundamentals. Pass the ball, you know, side foot, mm-hmm. shoot with your laces, all these fundamentals. Yeah. It's like, Start with them, focus on them, and be patient. Exactly. And that's what you're saying about, like, baristas. Uh, we, that's the only way, that's the only way to teach them. Um, 
I, I preface every every single training training session with you are not going to be master baristas by the end of this. I'm not showing you how to do art. Yeah, I, I it's it's trying to you know, starting off things with different different tones to find what works for different people. So sometimes I, I just like to say like. I'm like, right, first of all, nobody's learning any art just at the start of the session. Just yeah. as a bit of a joke to be like, right, you still thought we were going to be maestros. We're doing the fundamentals and then yeah. you get a few laughs out of people and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, tr- try and bring the light humour. <clears throat> Sometimes I find with um, barista trainers, yep. they actually want to show off a wee bit mm. and they've lost sight of what they're trying to do. And I have watched mm. barista trainers on day one doing all that art on the top of the cup. Yeah. Like they absolutely reinforce what Lewis is saying there. Let's get the fundamentals right. And then we can bring in the latte art. Yes. It's not about the barista trainer showing off what they can do. The purpose of when you walk out that door when you finish the session, and it's the only question I ask Lewis is, are you comfortable that everybody on that site can make those drinks? And it's a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. And if it's no, the next question is, when are you going back? Yes. That's it. I never ask who drew what on top of the cup because it's not important at that mm-hmm. stage. It's who took to it. Yeah. Well, who understood the information? Absolutely. And that's we like the we fundamentals did right, and then build on it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like anything, mm-hmm. isn't it? You yeah. know, fundamentals need to. You can't. You can't. I mean, recently I went and did a foundation roasting course. Amazing. To sort of do a bit of sample roasting and uh, just around it, because again, like I said, I like to know why. So, like our beans that go into the different blends are all worked out by Gareth. You know, Gareth has done all of it to sort of figure out why the blends work. Okay. Um, I don't, I didn't have a full understanding of roasting. Like I didn't know 100%, I understood the basics. I understood you put beans in, it heats up and hot beans come out and then you put them in a grinder and that makes coffee. Yeah. But it was working out the nuances of that and stuff like that and the why. Yeah. So like I know that Gareth knows about how all the blends are made and I, I don't, so that's, and then that will round off my knowledge. So it's the, it's the why. To, to sort of understand um, how things happen, but the foundation course for the roasting, like, it was really basic. Um, okay. Like you only really roasted like a little bit, but it was again explaining the terminology and stuff. So, but if I went to do the intermediate course, having not done that, I'd be looking at the roaster going, uh, "Yeah, what are you, what are you saying? I don't know yeah. how to blow. I don't even know how to turn this on without blowing it up." Yeah. You know, because you have to make sure that like the lines clear of any gas, and I probably would have just opened it and turned it on and blown everybody. Yeah, of course. Going. So like you cannot, you you, you can't, can't skip you steps. Can't skip steps, and like I was saying, if you brought somebody in, you know, those people are like, I didn't know there was so much to making coffees or customers. Time, say yeah, that I hear that so much, and you just want to drag them in by the collar and put them in front of like that coffee machine there with and just empty the and gr- leave it out, leave, just switch it off, empty the grinder. Put a bag of coffee down and just stand back and go make me two cappuccinos and yeah. just let them do it. And they would just panic, they would just turn to a puddle. Yeah. They wouldn't know what to do. And it's, you know, people don't really understand that either because, again, it's an entry level job. So people just think that when you come in, you can just do it. Yeah, it's and easy. There's, there's just easy. You sure you just do that, don't you? Um, but no, you need to get the fundamentals down. Um, and I think that's also quite scary for some of the kids whenever, because they're coming in and thinking, oh, I'm going to be trained how to make coffee. I don't really care about coffee. I'm really bored. I don't really want to do this. And then I come in and I go, so this is the recipe to these grams for this reason. And if you do it this way, X happens. And if you do it this way, Y happens. And you don't want this for this reason. And you don't want that for that reason. And they've come in with no care in the world. And I've started going, and this is a really important thing. I think they either try to switch on and can't because they weren't, they were like, oh, well, there's a bit more to this. Or just 
they just don't care even more. Yeah, and, that, and that's up to them. I mean, some people aren't going to. Yeah, It's not for everybody, but as you say in that moment, when yeah. you start getting scientific, you really see out of the group exactly. who you're going to keep your eyes on and be like, they're going to be a good barista. And then I can, I can go back to um, the, the owners, yeah. as Gareth was saying about like people who don't know or people who didn't get it when I'm going back yeah. and I would go into the owner and saying that like feedback. I think I would give them feedback on the staff and like uh, I mean the feedback is, is, is as general as I can give it without getting specific obviously because I don't want to be saying things about the actual members of staff in the business just about the coffee and stuff yeah. like that but um, there's been a few times I've been doing training sessions and it's been an amalgamated day where they've had the induction for the business mm. and then the coffee training mm. and you're just looking at them and you're like it's not a case of I'm coming back. It's going to be by the time it would take me to get back down here to do the training, yeah. they'll be gone. That person's quitting. Like you can see it in their face. I'm training you, and I'm not even going to get the chance to retrain you because you don't care about the business you're in. Never yeah. mind making coffee. Absolutely. So, and it is very hard to train um, through that sometimes because you can see it on people's faces where. Like there's people nodding away and you know, you're having a conversation even if you, you yourself someone's talking to you about something that you're not the most interested in you'll still yeah you listen out of respect yeah, but you, respect you're not necessarily going to go home and research that or delve deeper in you're just like this guy loves it exactly me, him. But there's there's some people that don't even give you that mm. and you know you're you, it's I sometimes go like, am I going to retrain this person or am I going to go to the owner and just be like that might be one to watch because uh, yeah, well, save money. Me. Like, why are you investing in this person? Literally, They're not going to give anything back did, to your they business. Didn't, they didn't give me, and there's been times where I have said to an owner before, like, they came up to me afterwards and was like, "What did what do you think of that group?" And I sort of gave her the faced expression that was like, "Permission to speak freely." And then she was like, "I didn't really rate them that much." Um, and I was like, "Well, you know, there was I, I, I was I was I decided to be positive about it and was like." Nerves and stuff would come into it. I would say there was nerves and stuff coming into it, but I'd be like, there were two in that group that were really good. There were yeah. two in that group that paid attention and listened and did everything. So you could two good workers there, the rest not so much. What I really could have said was that the whole group could have done much, much better. Yeah. But there were two that actually did at least attempt to give me a bit of interaction. Yeah. Um, so always trying to spin it in a positive light, but if you do have to have that. Uh, you do sort of have to realise that there are going to be people out there that aren't going to pay as much attention, and um, of course you just need to figure out a solution with the, the the owner about what to do with that. Because like I could come down and do training session after training session after training session after training session in that place to try and get it through to this person, but there are certain people that just you know are people that apply for a job that apply for a job and they might actually understand everything that you're telling them in the training they might get it they might just not care and yeah. you know, it's just yeah just do it you know you can show people the proper way to do things and they'll just never do it because it's something that they don't actually care about doing yeah so they have to care yeah um definitely so you are now a trainer yes. at 30 espresso we'll explain yep. a wee bit so what's your role your actual role here so is it just solely training people in this company or do you do other things so my main my main role is is as a training manager so yeah. i again i handle all of our sites that need new staff training um or if the the trainees need to touch up or anything like that i would go back out and obviously do it again for them okay. um whenever i'm out and I've, I've done a training session i always direct people to my number in our training manual so that if they're ever uh, i was encouraged them to keep those sort of on them or at the site uh for 
they get stuck, they can have a flick through it because basically all of the basic session I would take them through at the start is in the book in okay. written form. Obviously, it's easier to that's just to go back over yes. after the training session. Of course, because you're not going to remember everything. Yeah. You need to study a wee bit. Yeah, and it's like, oh, what did he say exactly? Oh, it's in here exactly there. and that's They can reference that at yeah. any time. And uh, so my number's in the front of it as well. So I always direct them to that and say, look, if you're ever, if you put coffee on the machine, you push a button and it doesn't come out, ring me. We'll try and go through it together. Yeah. Because what I don't want happening is people getting flustered. Uh, we've all been there where you have to, you have to middle middle of the shift. Yeah. You need to change the grind. Yeah. In the in, and it's twelve o'clock. There's a line out the door and the grinder needs changed. The coffee's taking fifty seconds to come out of the machine. Mm. Machine's working fine. It's definitely the grind that needs changed. You need to sort that. So I always try and sort of reiterate to staff that when it comes to doing stuff like that, they give me a ring and we'll do it over the phone together. So uh-huh. I like to be a little bit of a guide as okay. well. So it's a bit, we're still training, but just not like directly there. Like I like to be like a support. Yeah, like you're there if needed. Pretty at much. any time, like, my phone's there. You coffee support. Me. Coffee phone support pretty much for like anything to do with like how to make it if they're really stuck. I mean, if they're thinking about ideas and they want to shoot an idea like about coffee like I'm thinking about this drink or oh, do you think I could, this would work or something like that because I've got not only the ability to make coffee as experience and skill but I have managed a cafe for a year and I've worked in cafes so you have that experience as well so I have the experience like there's guys that own the cafe but they've owned a cafe they've only been in, a, in, a, in and around cafes for a month you've opened it you've owned it for a month mm-hmm. me managing one for three years or a year or whatever is worth more than that so in my opinion anyway so whenever they, if they give me a ring and ask about <clears throat> not about like furniture in the shop or anything like that but if they're thinking about night well you never know you never <laughs> you know might, you might be able I, to give some good insight I mean, you've been to lots of cafes if they've got a table sideways I'll be like no you don't have that <laughs> yeah change that um, so just stuff like that and then I would also be out doing courtesy calls for our existing customers as well so um, just going in and checking the grind okay um, so a lot of our customers are um very food based like maybe restaurants or like mm. really really busy cafes so um, and obviously with staffing and stuff sometimes they don't have the time to do a check mm. um, on the coffee on like uh, grind or whatever in the morning to see yeah. if it's all you know it was so, fine yesterday but it's might, it might not be fine today and they haven't figured that out so they'll we, phone you in they either phone us in if they're like look I think this is off or if I'm passing through the area okay. uh, say I've got training in Lauren, yep. I would maybe plan a day working my way from Bangor or wherever it is up to Lauren, stopping at our customers along the way. Just makes sense. Check in while you're there. Check in while you're okay. there. Go, hi, how's it going? <clears throat> Coming in. Oh, look at that. It's ran for 16 seconds. It needs to be a wee bit longer than mm. that. So we'll just play about with the grind. Explain to them what I'm doing and why. Mm. Um, and uh, that actually usually prompts them to go, do you know, I might need a bit of training. Because mm. they're like, I didn't even know anything about this. Or I... I completely forgot it from when I came on with, with you um, and that uh, usually results in me booking in a train session for the amazing the, and you can schedule it in then and yeah. make that a priority and then I'll have another then I have another day where I need to make my way back up to that area and then I can go through other customers awesome and it's just basically that I like that over again. Uh, and then if I've not got if I've done my list of courtesy calls for the month and I'm going back through an area where I've been to everybody already I mean we don't want to overcrowd our customers as well like you know they don't want to see me every single day yeah they're going to start thinking i'm watching them or something yeah. like that stalking um so i would do sales calls as well where um i would maybe go a bit further afield in the area the, an area where we don't have as many customers and just sort of go in 
and uh, just chat with the, with the, the cafe staff or the owners. Um, we're always trying to sort of get the owners as possible just to find out a bit more about them and who they use at the minute and how it's going for them. Is yeah. there anything that could be they could have done better? Yes. And then just sort of tell them what we do as well. Um, always trying to get them back for a tasting. You know, mm. if I can get a first contact tasting book, because that means I get them down here yeah. and I come up to them. Show them the coffee and let it, uh, let it speak for itself. You know, of course, not yeah. Gonna, I've had it. I've tasted it this morning. Fantastic, the taste. Thank you Beautiful. very much. Um, but yes, we, we don't want to. I don't want to go in and be like Jack the Lad. Lots of words trying to you know sell you a hundred and one things. Yeah, just kind of like listen. Come come to the roastery and we'll, we'll show you. We'll yeah. show you. Make your own mind up. Make your own mind it's up. There. And no. we make you the coffee. We can show you what's in there. Of we can course, tell you what we do. Yeah, uh, as straight facts. And then that's it. We'll let you figure out the rest. Yeah, go away. Call us. Come back. And yeah, one hundred percent. And then outside of that would be, um, I'm quite. I like to be quite handy with the machines. Um, again, uh, Gareth was saying if the engineer can turn around and tell you how your coffee is roasted, it's quite impressive. Mm. And I think if the barista trainer can come out and fix your machine for you, that's also yeah. quite impressive. So Definitely. I have a number. I think pretty much every engineering call that I've went to. To have a look, I've been able to sort either a problem, a problem, and the only time I haven't been able to do that is because the thread had gone from the inside of one of the screws, and okay. I didn't have the tool to take it off. Right, okay. But I had every other part of it off. It was just that one screw. Well, it was used the screw, same screwdriver to take all the other three out. Wouldn't take the fourth one out, so I couldn't get the plate off the top of it. That was the only reason I couldn't get into fix it right, was okay. because the thread on that screw had gone. Okay, um, so it was like a, a challenge. Yeah, it was the, just subject. just a parts thing. Yes, but I've been able. I can clear drains. I can I can adjust foam levels on Impressive. a on a bean to cut machine. One of them. I'm not a massive engineer. I'm like I just we minor things. Yeah, of course, but it helps as you say when you're there. And I breeze as an issue, like, oh yeah, this isn't really working properly. You can have a wee look, and if you can fix it there, absolutely great service. Yeah, so you know that, I mean? that's that's what we want. We want we want everybody, and it also helps the knowledge as well. So yeah. if somebody if somebody in my my area rings me and says, look, this is the issue with the machine, I mean, right, okay, listen to what they're saying, believe, you know, only a small part yeah. of it until you look for yourself. So if somebody's telling that to me, I can go right. So I can translate that into what it actually is likely to be for the engineer. So I can send our engineer out with a better idea of the issue because my He can already have the part in his van ready to go. Exactly. Basically. So if the customer's like, I had a drippy bit where the water comes is leaky yeah. or it's a bit shaky, yeah, I can yeah. go, James, there's a, there's a loose <laughs> What shard, are you talking about? There's a loose shard plate on the first group of the Spaziale and whatever. And he knows he's to go out with a with a spare sharp plate and really touch it. Whereas yeah. if, we, if, we, if or the one that we always get is there's a leak, machine's leaking, leaky machine, leaky machine, leaky machine. It's like right, okay, leaky machine. So they think that it's something to do with the pipes, with the water coming in, obviously because mm -hmm. it's a leaky machine. It's almost always a block drain because there's coffee grounds or something down there. Yeah, the water's coming out. They're pouring problem. something down there that shouldn't be. Exactly. So we we like I have a I have a tool for for unblocking drains. So Fluff. like if I'm in the area. I'll go into it because yeah. there's no point sending the engineer with a full van of parts and tools for something that I can do with a fairly basic yeah. drain clearing piece of, of equipment. So I'll go out and do that. And yeah. then people are expecting to see the engineer. And I walk in, they're like, who's this guy? You here for chain? I was like, no, no, I'm just here to clear drain for That's you. That's cool. Done. And then I'll explain, like, I, well, James is out fixing somebody's machine at the minute. You know, it's completely down. Um, so I came out just to have an assess and see if I can fix it. And they're yeah. like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, we'd all like the. 
and then they'll ask and I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, all the bre- all the engineers are barista trained and- It shows um, a good team model, doesn't it? Yeah. For the company. We do because we want everybody to have, you know, if somebody asked anybody in the company about anything, mm. while nobody, everybody's a specialist in their own area, you should be able to have a wee bit of something about something. Yeah. Um, so if somebody asked our engineers about Blends. Blends. Yeah. They should be able to tell them about, you know. Because they hear it, they're probably overheard, you know, but they're maybe taking more of an interest too, and like that shows that they're passionate. Exactly. And that's important. And then people are like, well, how do you know this machine's not going to break again? And I can go, like, well, I can tell you that the valve in there has been replaced brand last new. month. Brand yeah. new. I can tell you that the flow meter in there has been fixed last month as well, so it's keeping your flow. Yeah. Um, I can tell you as well that the boiler is 100% fine, it's been descaled and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I can tell you everything that has happened inside yes. your machine. Yes, explain that to the customer. Whereas going, I, the engineer, I'll have a look at it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll have a look at it, but what's he going to do? Yeah, so there's more depth to the explanation. Exactly. You're absolutely putting that down. And then it's making the customer more satisfied with the service. Yeah. Because you're walking away and they're like, I know exactly what's what's up now yeah. with this machine. And then people don't have to go off the phone them and wait for the engineer to get back to me. Yeah. Because I can get a little bit of an explanation from at least somebody. Yeah. And even if it's not something we can go, right, well, this is what it's most likely to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's me and it's an engineering issue, I can be like, right, okay, you've explained that to me. This is That's what this sounds like to me. Yeah. I'm in next town over. I'll come over and have a look at it and, and see if that's what it is. If it's not, I'll I'll put it back in to James or the engineer, and then he'll come out and, and have a look at it for you. So I kind of go out sometimes to diagnose yeah, the issue. Yeah. Uh, if because sometimes it might be that somebody just hasn't switched them, so they put somebody else on the open and they don't know how to turn. Of course, on. yeah. So we don't want to again. I'm treating them properly, and exactly. they're going like, "Oh, I need to phone somebody. That's a scary." So I would go out and go like, "Right, well, there's your machine switched on." There's my card for some training when you get the you chance. Probably need it. <laughs> um, but, you know, sending the engineer out to do that because if somebody. Yeah, we, of course, he's busy. He actually has calls that he needs to be at. We, I, the example I give is if we got two calls in at the same time and they're both for a machine not working, yeah. we send the engineer to one and not the other and he gets to this one and they have to just turn the machine on and the other one's 100 miles away and they have a blown motherboard or something yeah. like that. They have to wait now because this one was closer. Yes. When I could have gone to it. Okay. So we just like to make sure that everybody has a level of knowledge where everybody can react to whatever the issue is in some way, uh, and hopefully get a first time, first time fix. Of course. Or whatever it is, whenever we get there, be it somebody having an issue with the coffee not tasting right, or the machine not working, or there being like some kind of business issue. Yeah. Somebody should be able to go out and sort that to some extent. Yes. To at least keep people happy until we, can satisfied. Come, until we can come up with a, yeah. a viable solution for it. Unbelievable. Um, going on to the next question then, 38 Espresso, for people that don't know, and Gareth, this is maybe a question I can bring you into, where did it all start for for you and for this company? Um, I started in the coffee industry in 1983, um, fixing coffee machines as an engineer. Now the coffee machines then were very, very different than they are now. Um, basically, it were they were soluble machines that had a wee auger in it inside it that dosed a bit of soluble coffee, had a whipper that mixed powdered milk, and that was your cappuccino. That sounds horrible. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um, so started off, you know, doing that. Worked for a number of different companies, and became service manager of a local coffee company as well. And decided in 2006 that I wanted to go out and start my own service company. Brilliant. And um, I walked out basically of a well-paid job, um, 
good benefits, good everything, but it was my passion. You find with coffee, when you get into it, it just sucks you in, it just mm. hooks you. Um, so I wanted to go out and provide service for um, anybody that wanted me to, basically. Mm. Um, what I then did was borrow my mother's car, okay. put a sleeping bag in the boot, and got on the boat to England, and went to every machine supplier and manufacturer that I knew, and asked them, if you have any work in Northern Ireland, can you pass it on to me? Um, drove the length and breadth of England, wow. sleeping in the car at night, getting a shower in the wee service stations in the morning, That's mad. and uh, just develop business that way. Um, I was passionate, it was the right thing to do. Uh, we then started doing service work for a number of local independent um, coffee companies, also some of your big chains, the, one of the largest chains that's here and on the island of Ireland. Um, I did the service work for that myself, wow. for the whole island. Um, a lot of well-known coffee companies, a lot of well-known chains I did the service work for. By doing that, people then said to me, can you get me some coffee? Um, I've always had my business minded, you need to be open and upfront and honest with people. So I sat, it was about two weeks to Christmas, I decided, what am I going to do? Am I going to continue with service? Or am I going to sell coffee with a service focus? I decided to sell coffee with a service focus okay. was what I was going to do. I went round all the independent guys that I was supplying with service and told them that's what I was doing. And two weeks before Christmas, nobody gave me any work. Wow. Um, so basically, it was like starting again. Okay. So I went and knocked doors and started selling coffee, started fixing coffee machines. There was a few of the chains that kept me on, um, and a few of the local um, large supermarkets as well that I did service work for. And they kept me on, so we started to grow the business. I had a third party roasting coffee for me. Um, and I felt at that stage I was a distributor, not really a coffee company. Cause yeah, you were really hands-on. It wasn't in control of the mm. most important aspect of the business. So um, I got on a plane and went to Denmark to see a coffee roaster. Okay. Um, and the coffee roaster was a Loring. Um, Loring are now flying with coffee machines. We were the first person in the whole of Ireland to install a Loring coffee roaster. Whoa. Um, we, we took the step. Um, everybody else now copies us. Wow, <laughs> so, so at that time, was that a gamble? It was a bit of a gamble. To, the Loring was that. a different style of roasting. Um, and it creates a very smooth, consistent roast. Wow. Uh, so we installed the Loring roaster. Um, I come from a farm. Um, my, my parents were retired, so it was a green um, cheap farm. I built a purpose-built building that you're sitting on at the yep. moment. Yeah, um, here, it's beautiful. Put the coffee roaster in, uh, started to grow the business, started to get more customers, um, brought on more engineers, brought on salespeople, brought on trainers, um, uh, developed the business just by, by hard work, getting up in the morning, putting your shoes and socks on and going out the door. Going for it. Going for it. Um, we've recently um, installed a decent 30 kilo roaster. Okay, the Gason's a different style of roasting from the Loring. You can emulate, but it also gives you the flexibility that I've brought this coffee in and I want to roast it on this roaster or this roaster to get the best out of the roaster. As well as the 30 kilo Gason, we have a 50 to 200 gram sample roaster Gason okay. that we do sample blends on, we create profiles on. Just for customers? Just for, for customers and for ourselves. Okay. Um, we are very scientific in what we do. Um, we you know, measure everything within an inch of its life to make sure that it's consistent, there's quality control in terms of 
you know, density, um, moisture. We also measure the water activity, which is, wow. in layman's terms, how tightly or how loosely bound the molecules are within the product. Okay. Which then determines what you can do with the coffee. Okay. How, how so it's it. important to know that information then before, before you start roasting? So before we start roasting, once we know all the, the parameters of the coffee that we have in, first of all, we're going, yes, is that coffee good enough to come into our business? Yes, it is. Okay. This is now how we're going to design the roast curve for this coffee. Okay. Um, you, you design the roast curve, you take it, you cup it, and you go, okay, I want to do A, B, or C to this coffee. Yeah. At this point of the roast, let's change this. What's really, really key is recording all our results. Mm. You have to record and only change one thing at a time. If you have a load of variables and you change three variables and you get the result, well, you don't know which one it was that actually did yeah, it for you. Yeah. So, so only change one variable at a time, record all your results. Um, and then you know develop on from that. Where the 38 comes from is um, we believe that 38 grams in a cup of finished weight will be the perfect espresso. Okay. So we, we have our end point of 38 grams and then we set our finished weight. We then determine our dry weight, in other words, the gram through the grinder. Yeah, and how that will work. What it is to get the 38 grams. So we weigh our coffee as opposed to having it for a volume. Impressive. So that was one of my questions I was going to ask where the name so came that, from. That's where the 38 came from. I wanted a, again, I believe there's a quest for knowledge out there and I wanted to explain to people why we do things. Mm. So, you know, our, our tagline is crafted from passion perfected by science. Mm. So it's the whole science and behind it. Um, and given substance to, here's what we do, but here's actually the reason why we do it. Of course. And that, that's, so that, for me, that was a key aspect. and. People often ask the question, why 38? And I'm explaining to them, that's what we believe. Yeah. Now, other people believe different things, which is fine, which makes the coffee industry superb, because everybody has their own ideas. It's very subjective. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, uh, I would like to say there's a lot of fantastic coffee companies. Yeah, you know, big the, time. Uh, there absolutely is. And everybody doesn't do things the same way. Everybody doesn't have the same roast profiles. Yeah. Do. But um, we like to have the scientific approach and massively backed up with service. Service causes what I started out in the beer um, I like that. Is, is where we go and monitor everything within our customer base in terms of first time fix, in terms of response times. As Lewis touched on there, um, if there's an option and Lewis is closest to the call and he can do something to fix it safely, then absolutely. It's a more dynamic team. Why, why would we not send them? I've worked in a number of different companies where you have different teams and they all fight with each other. They're all going to the way to blame each other. Yeah. One thing I decided right from day one of my company that was not happening. Not, not the first time I heard saying, Oh, that team did this or that team did that, it was not right in the bud. That's mm. our team. That's that's great. That leads me to the next question really perfectly. Um what, how would you describe the culture of this of this brand? Um I like to think of open. Don't get me wrong, I, I do have my own ideas and I do have my own beliefs. But I also tell people when they come in and they start employment here that is I want to hear your thoughts, I want to hear your ideas, I'm open to it, I'm open to listening to what you want to say. I might disagree, I might agree, but I think it would be very silly and very naive for any business owner not to listen to a staff. Yeah. yeah. I think that's crazy because they might see something that you didn't see, you, you might see something they didn't see. So Different angles on everything. Different angles, and, and I actually encourage any time we have our meetings, I want people to speak up. I actually prefer sometimes when I say, okay guys, this is what we're going to do, and the staff challenge me. Yeah, definitely. Because it helps me explain why I think we're going to do it, but also there's times when they challenge me and go, 
never thought of that. That's a good idea. So this was originally what we're going to do. Let's tweak what we're going to do. And I also believe too that okay, Lewis may come to me or James, a service manager, or somebody in private and say, not in private, but say, here's what I think we should do different. Yeah. I'd absolutely in the meeting say, this was James's idea or this was Lewis's Get idea. Get accreditation and towards you. Absolutely. Mm. And I think that's really important. And it builds a team mentality and it builds a, we're all in this together, let's help each other out. Mm. Absolutely. Very important. I, I think talking, sorry, yeah, this, I think talking earlier about how do we like empower young members of the team uh, that don't have as much experience, I think that's very important as well to bring that down to their level and show them that they're, you know, this is why we do things, mm-hmm. but also you're great. Mm-hmm. If you're just the fact that you've developed and now you can move a bit faster or you know what extraction is, mm-hmm. well done and give them that accreditation and really boost them. Yeah. You know, it's, I was just going to say there that like, um, I would agree that Gareth is a very is the very culture is very open and uh, it's, did, it's did you feel that from day one? Oh yeah, hundred um, it, percent. It's very relaxed and professional. Like it, it, everybody feels like they know what they're doing, but it doesn't feel like as soon as you slip up, someone's going to come down on you like a ton of bricks. Um, I, as a matter of fact, one of the things that astounded me about the company was um, well, I first of all I applied via email to no job position. I just was like, I um, look. I am recently qualified as a barista trainer. I have used thirty eight coffee before. Yeah. Um, really like you know the the um, the brand as you know it's local. If you're ever needing a trainer, please consider me. Wow. Uh, I got the email to say, have you booked the room? Because uh, we were just talking about this. Um, which Whoa. Like, uh, and did this email come through to you, Garth? I come through the info, which Michelle would look after and she forwarded it on to me and she was you're not going to believe the email. Wow, yeah, you have just had that meeting whoa. and then you're like, whoa, this is like yeah. a message from this guy's above. Yes, yeah. so I was like, right, okay. Uh, can I send the email? I'll, I'll admit, I sent the email fully expecting it to get lost in yeah, the ether because I was... It was it's a stab in the dark, When you're planning for jobs, sure, you don't think anybody cares. So, and I, had, I, hadn't, I hadn't sent any more emails after that to 38 or anybody else yeah but like i was i was going to start you know looking yeah because yeah. Like you know, if you don't get a response you you could be looking for other jobs i didn't have the time for that it just sort of immediately came through and i was like right okay uh fair enough so i had like the preferred obviously job interviewing came in and nice relaxed chat to find out a bit more about each other and sort mm. of what they were expecting from each other and then um gareth asked me what an espresso was Okay. Fairly, you know, so basic good question, question, good question. If you're hard yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had to tell him I didn't know. Okay. Because in the interview situation at the time, I just went, ah, uh, there's definitely a definition of that, like an official definition of an espresso. I would have told, said that it would have been a like a shot of coffee that comes out of an espresso machine, which while it's not incorrect, it's not the, the answer the, that Gareth wanted. And, ob- and then I obviously, like, didn't really have to assess the situation. It was quite obvious that I couldn't just, you know, lie or half, you know, put form an answer that's not yeah. entirely accurate. So I had to turn around and say, like, uh, I'm something along the lines of I cannot quite remember the exact definition, and I don't want to obviously give basically everything you, I've just said to you. You want a waffle? Everything I said to you, I said to Gareth there of um, okay. I I'm 100 percent sure there is an official definition. Right now, I think because we're here, I can't 
remember it and I don't want to give you something that's not correct. So yeah. right now I'm just going to say I, I I know, but I don't know the exact wording. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything on that just because okay. that, you know you can tell me. Yeah. And I and I know like I can tell you in the com- I didn't say all of this, but it was along the lines of I know what comes out of that machine. Yeah. But I don't know the exact definition for it. At the minute, tell me and I'll sell it for yeah, you. You know that kind of that thing. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, like I'm here to learn. So basically, that. being honest about what I did know, because I, you know, if I if I come in and went, yeah, yeah, it's this, and I'm brilliant. Yeah, um, he'll look yeah. through that and say, right, this guy's just talking. Or just ask me to prove it. Yeah. And then if I can't prove it, then I've been dishonest again. Tripped so, up. Yeah. So I was yeah, just okay. honest about what I what I couldn't and couldn't do. Um, yeah. And his response to that, which which was immediately was like, thank you for being so honest, and we continued the conversation, and it was that that kind of made me go. Hmm. Like that's different than I've ever experienced before, even in a job interview. Yeah. Like you know, in a job interview, sometimes you say something wrong, and somebody just goes, "Hmm." Yeah. And starts yeah. writing, and you're like, "What?" But you, you know, mean? it's maybe not good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's that right. Yeah, hundred percent. And they're writing; they're just writing stuff down, like get them out as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just felt the exact opposite from you know, and then since ever since I've sort of started working here, it has been like, right, there's an issue. What is the issue? What's the root of it? How do we get rid of the root to get rid of like the issue? That. Not, you've made a mistake. Um, feel bad about it. Feel bad about it because I know I have made mistakes and I've been told I've made mistakes, but I've never, I've never been chastised for it. Mm. Um, and I, you know, I know that if there was something that was that was worthy of it, yeah. it would come. Yeah. But I know that that would be like the last part because we're all, everybody wants everybody to be like you know having a good time and just wants the machine. To keep rolling, yeah, and high stress environments with so it's work know, for each other, not against. Pretty much, yeah. Like you don't want to be like, like if I can, if someone comes into the service chat, even if it's not for me, I'm still straight into it to see can I go out and yeah. do it because can I be useful here? Can I be useful? Yeah. And it's like how good does it make me look to everybody? It's a bit of a cockiness thing as well. To be quite genuinely honest, if I can go out and you know, it's the most minor fix of the machine, but nobody else did it. I did it. Yeah, you're, you're, it's still, and it adds more to my bow because I know that the next time I have to do that, I can go out and, and do that again. Yes. And it's it's basically just like, you know, everybody helps everybody and sort of makes life easier for, for you never want anybody to get snowed under. Yeah. Let me take some pressure off your... Yes, because when one starts to, like if the engineers have got services booked all the way in, they can't do, then they get call outs. Well, then they're starting to get backed up, and then there's people that are like, away from going to call out like a week ago. And you know, if that situation were to ever arise, it wouldn't be, you know, conducive to you know a good business strategy. Yeah. So if we have, that's why we like to alleviate pressure wherever we can. Absolutely, it's, it's always like, important. Like if, if if for example maybe the other roaster's sick and the roaster's not on as much in one week, and we get like a, a day or two backed up yeah everybody will come down you can jump in there and, and jump do that and just start packing coffee yeah and there's no arguments about it it's Relieves. not it's not i didn't apply yeah did not, not pack coffee. my problem yeah it's like well if yeah but you're the sales guy you can't sell stock that's not there mm. you can't train with beans that aren't in somebody's grinder because the yeah. roaster hasn't been able to get them out for whatever reason completely so we just like to make sure that everything is rolling over and Good. doing as much as we can for each other yeah um because it just makes you know it's, you see your co-workers that are stressed out and if you could do something to help you can and that's yeah, I pretty think much you see it in the cafe all the time you know you can the kitchen are getting slammed but maybe if the barista knows how to jump in there and you know wash a dish clean it up yeah or start up. you know do cooking something. grilling like it's fantastic to be that dynamic yeah because then the team's gonna really flow yeah but if you're just watching the chef completely collapse 
it's not great and yeah. he's losing focus he doesn't feel part of you yeah. or the other team so it's good to kind of have like we're all here for each other mm-hmm. it's always a good atmosphere it always works um, so what do you think the formula is to retaining um, customers and clients Gareth do you want to go on this one yeah sure um, do you know what you said you were going to do okay it's simple um, I would suggest it's as simple as that so obviously when customers come in for or potential customers come in for tastings you'll sit and tell them okay we can do A, B, C, D, E but once they become a customer you can't forget about E you said you were going to do it so you have to do it Okay. not that you have to do it this is what you do yeah. so you know do what you say you're going to do give them the service you said you were going to give them give them the quality of coffee you know you sit and obviously with customers coming in it's a pitch it's a sales pitch mm. um, so kind of like a job interview when you're sitting in front of somebody and you're saying I want to come and work for your company and I can do all this well in the employee you kind of need to do it mm. so it's the same scenario um, it comes to light very quick if you can't yeah. so um, you know don't promise you can do something you can't mm. and I would be very open with customers who um, they come in and they go I want this type of machine and I would go that's not the right type of machine for your environment Okay. and I would actually to the point where we go is that that's not right and I don't want you spending that money on that machine because it's not right for your environment and I have in the past people went well if you're not supplying that machine I'll go somewhere else and it's not just about taking the money off the customer because if I'm sitting there telling the customer this isn't the right machine for your environment then I sell and I could sell them it um, and then I go in a month later and the machine isn't working surely I had a responsibility to tell them yeah. at the start point that that wasn't you have the, the knowledge and power yeah. Um, yeah. Here is the reason why it's mm. not the right machine. Here, you know, from the aspects you're telling me, and when a potential customer comes in, it's key to well, what's your vision for your business? And your vision for your business. And they might come in and have a vision for the business and go, I want to do this, and that's the machine I want. Yeah. Well, actually, the um, by the vision you've told me for your business, yeah. that's not the right machine, that's the right machine. Okay. And here's the reasons why. And to be honest, customers then go, I didn't know that, I didn't understand that, yeah. and you explain stuff to them. But retaining business is, you know, doing what you said you're going to do, okay. providing a fantastic product, fantastic service, doing what you said you're going to do, and when the chips are down for people and things happen, because it's, you know, you're, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with machinery, things happen, things go wrong, step up, step up and do it, step mm. up and help and support, mm. and that comes from internally. Everybody mm. helping and supporting each other. Yeah, so that's your culture here. Yeah. And that doesn't just stop in these four walls. No. It extends to your customers. As I said earlier, you know, we want to sell coffee. Yeah. So if we can help and support our customers sell more coffee, yeah. then we'll sell more coffee. It's uh-huh. a straight line. It's, yeah. it's so obvious. An easy and formula. An easy formula. And I think a lot of people miss that. And mm. it's very much not a case of we have a customer on board, let's forget about them. Because everybody's planned in for courtesy calls, everybody's planned in for grand standard checks, or planned in for preventative maintenance yeah. service. That's what so, I was That's what I was just about to mention there, sorry Gareth, that like that, that's why we have those courtesy calls, because obviously there's the whole process of them coming in here and doing the tasting and picking their blend mm. and picking their machine and stuff like that. And yeah. 
you know, they could come in here and they could want the F18 or like yeah. a cafe racer or some machine that costs big, 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 big money. And yeah. Garth, if it's not the right machine for them, like I said, we could you, you could sell them that 20 grand coffee machine yeah. and the business closes in a month because they're trying to pay off a 20 grand coffee machine on top of everything else because they wanted the 20 grand coffee yeah, machine. Yeah, they want the fancy machine. Exactly. Great. So like what Gareth was saying there, like, well, like, you don't want this and it's not out of spite. It's because this is what works in yeah. that area. Um, and then, like we're like we said, we don't just go. There's your coffee. There's your machine. You'll see the engine. You'll see us next time the machine breaks. Yeah. You know we don't want it to be that. You know the next that, that we don't want that to be the case where the machine has to break mm-hmm. for you to see somebody from here. Interesting. You, as a matter of fact, you should see not so many people, but you should see enough people from here that your machine never breaks. Mm. In theory, for us, because that's the whole point of a courtesy call is for us to come out check Stop the problem, problem before it occurs. Yeah. Check the grind, make sure it's talking to each other. Okay, I've got this to a setting where it should work. Oh, it's still not running properly on the machine. I'm starting to think now, is there an issue with the machine? Okay. I sort of start running things. Just look at the pressure gauge. Maybe the pressure gauge is running a wee bit less than it should be. Not must encounter the same ones. Maybe there's a fault in there somewhere. But it's not really become a fault yet. It's starting. And then I can sort of mention that to the engineers. And if there's a service already ahead of the game, yeah, they can bring it forward. They can get something in there, and then like somebody goes, "My machine's just broke." And it's like that's okay. We kind of it's not, it probably wouldn't be my machine's broke, and we go, "Oh, we know what was going to happen." It would be like I would tell the engineer. The engineer would phone them and say, "Our one of our guys was out today. Noticed that there's something happening with the machine that might be a fault. Would we be able to get in just to have a look at it to see if we can stop that?" Yes, and again, you can pick a good time. Yeah, well, we'll just phone them and work with them. So mm. we'll say, like, can we come in at half five, you close at five, or when do you, when would be the time that's convenient easy. to yourself? Yeah. Uh, and then if they can get in, they get in, that's it sorted, and then hopefully I'll be coming back two months later or something like that and just being like, right, well, all good. I'll just yeah. check the ground again because, again, it's been two months since the last check that might have been a bit of drift, and then that just keeps everybody sort of on, uh, on top. And we never want anybody to feel like we're coming in to judge them. Mm. and be like because um, there are obviously be me being the trainer if I go back into somewhere where I've done training people do feel judged obviously because yeah. I because to, like, to an extent I am judging the quality of course but you need to make sure that they're doing a good job exactly but it's not a personal thing I'm not coming in to go no you're, you're, you as a barista are not good mm. it's we've just made a business of bad habits how can I help you be better because I understand like I understand that I will train these people to make them to make the coffee and the next thing I need to do when I go back in is get rid of all of their bad habits because they're not going to do it properly. They're going to learn... Coming how to, from big chains too. Exactly. They're going to learn the easy ways. They're mm-hmm. going to do what I've showed them and then they're going to go, I, yeah, but there's an easy way to do it this way. I, I can come save in, time. And I can come in and I can go, well done, you've, re- you've reached sneaky barista level where you find the wee hack that works. That's yeah. okay. See this thing that you're doing though? that doesn't work don't do that um, yeah it's faster but so guiding people on like what is coming in basically get, letting them know that there's more like ways to do things and better ways to do things without making them feel like they're doing it wrong yeah um, so like you have, just have to find the balance but it is good because you can always keep the staff up to date and that means you always have constant training yeah. and constant education for people um, and I think that makes the customers feel a wee bit more looked after as well. Yeah. Like, we're oh, connected to 30 of this person. Yeah, because we're just there to educate. We just want to educate, not like um, judge or, yeah. or make anybody feel not like, oh, we're better. We know more. Yeah. It's like, we know more, but that means it's a good thing for you. That knowledge is open to you. It's like, yeah. we have the you knowledge. Get that, that, that's exactly another thing I was going to touch on there is, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we do that the customers don't see. Mm. Um, 
and they don't know that we do. And consistency is one of the things. You know, when, when we get you to taste the blend and you pick that blend, well, that blend has to be the same right the way through. Yeah. Now, that doesn't happen by magic. That's us using the tools and technology. And I would suggest we're the leading edge in, in the country of the tools and stuff that we use to make sure that when we bring the green beans in, they fall within our parameters. Mm. Once we've roasted the coffee, again, it doesn't stop there, we'll test the coffee. And it's not a case of testing the coffee by running espresso and seeing how quick yeah. or how slow. It's actually using tools in terms of color meters, density meters, again, wow. moisture meters to make sure that, you know, when we tasted this coffee and it was you know from a previous crop, now we might have to change and adjust. So we're going to make sure that what we've done in the future here maintains that consistency and it, it actually blows some of the customers minds when they come here and they see the scientific approach that and the operation they uh, use uh, absolutely um, now i say that's that's the in behind the scenes that they don't see mm. but i think that's key to keeping a customer yeah. that they're getting what they actually wanted mm-hmm. and i say doing what we said we're going to do and supporting them yeah. at the coalface with the training with the service yeah those are the things that for me that's we have bits to our business, service, coffee, training and support, and we're doing all those sections together that hopefully equates to happy customers. Absolutely, and that's what we're all in the game for. Um, so what is the vision long term? Uh, I'll, I'll ask both of you, so Lewis, for you, like, you know, where do you see yourself in the industry? Well, do you see yourself in the industry long term, like forever? Uh, is this uh, it, lockdown for you? If, I mean, like all going well, Yeah. Uh, I, can, I can't, get less knowledgeable mm-hmm. i can only go only i can stop now or keep going yeah there's not really much point in stopping because I, I do have a job in the industry at the minute so yeah, if i were to stop for you. if i were to stop educating myself now i wouldn't be much use to me gareth or anybody else mm-hmm. so i mean i'm going to keep moving forward and and building my knowledge that will be more more sca qualifications something yeah. with more roasting and stuff like that so you know, personally, if I uh, realistically, I would only stop after I was professional roaster, professional brewing, professional barista, sensory. Basically, like the, all the 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 like the SCA sort of qualifications. Yeah. Just to, and that's not just to have the paper to be like I'm fully qualified. Yeah. It's to, to have the knowledge yeah. to understand uh, why fully rounded, uh, fully rounded knowledge of the, of of the coffee industry, and um, I want that knowledge to be like the the thing that the makes me desirable i would sort of like to be in a position where people want me whereas me going looking for places you know i've been there being, being a name pretty much yeah, yeah, it's like course. who who do we know in like northern ireland because obviously people view like the coffee industry as ireland central so people were like who in northern ireland is coffee knowledgeable yeah and you can just pick a few names out like yeah. um you know, I, I'm not hugely familiar with loads of people up here, but I know there's a guy called Chris in Belfast who's a freelance barista, okay. and he's been around like Edge, um, established, and all the sort of main, yeah. big name ones. So he's a name that I know yeah. as being like a sort of a good watchword for coffee. Yeah. I know that there's like a guy in Output who is the coffee guy for the company he works for, okay. and that's like five different like stores around Belfast, and they all go to this one guy Impressive. who's not the owner. He just works in yeah. one of the shops. He's the coffee guy. Love so it. that's kind of like I would, in all honesty, love to stay, obviously here for as long as as as, as works for for everybody and is you know conducive. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I'll end up. Um, I have again. I still feel like I don't know what the top level looks like. For, yeah, for the coffee industry, like you know, like I don't know. 
if the end result for me is me being going back to a barista yeah in I, th- I think it's more that you'll feel it won't you yeah. you'll get to a stage where it's like this is where I want to be yeah I don't mean like a barista just like doing back down to the bottom room but I feel like uh, like a barista somewhere where like there's some big big hotel or something mm. like that or some or I, I don't think it's like a personal barista for somebody who had like you know I, I just something like that Conor something, McGregor something you know, like something like something, that I'm sure you know, that if be, he was into coffee enough he would have I've been to his uh, bar in Dublin before Jen uh-huh. fantastic guys have you been I haven't no recommended 100% uh, the guy from the house there is called Liam nice uh, fantastic guy like he he's just magic see mm-hmm. with customers he greeted us on the footpath we were walking up to it taking photos obviously and he seen us through the window came straight out because he'd obviously first time mm-hmm. we were taking photos and he's straight in he's like lads 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 like I'll take a photo of you all and he's a brilliant personality um, just a fantastic experience from the start uh, not even the fact I forgot it was Connor's bar <laughs> like 30 minutes in I'm like oh yeah Connor McGregor was this yeah. it's like you know Liam made it about him uh, he was the face of it yeah. so I was just thinking about this guy I'm like this guy's class he's going around tables he's entertaining almost he's like mm. as we talked earlier we're like showmen yes it's like a craft and if you have the art for hospitality it's, you're born with it and blessed it's everything great. else comes in exactly. you learn but if you have that personality you're born with it yeah, well, you need it he great. has this um yeah, but I, I'd say if Connor was in the coffee enough, he would have a guy on his Lamborghini yacht <laughs> with a machine making I mean, coffee that, for him and his, his that friends. That would be like the so I, yeah, the something ID, something unique. Um, but the concept, realistically, what I actually think I'll end up doing at some point is uh, my own my own coffee shop. I think would be probably be the the, the end end result. Okay. Um, do it because I look at obviously I go around all the coffee shops that we yeah. do and everybody else's coffee shops so I'm seeing how everybody does it of course and see taking bits and pieces and going I like that I like that I really really don't like that I like this that yeah. works and seeing what I could do because yeah. realistically having managed one and seeing how everybody else is doing it I'm like I'm pretty sure I could open one in Bangor that would close four of them yeah. within a month of course because I know the co- it would be a mix of all of them together because yeah. each and every one of them does something good yeah. and doesn't like do other things well yeah so like i know i've got the name in my head for the penny university for that sort of be like the name of the shop because i don't know if you join a penny university is you've ever heard this before so a penny university is what a coffee shop used to be called because you used to be able to go and obviously get coffee for like cheap okay and like it was a place knowledge around knowledge it was Ah, a place where scholars and stuff could sit and chat yeah. and discuss things and uh, but it was cheap so yeah. it's called Penny University yeah. so I kind of wanted to open a coffee shop at some point called the Penny University where it would be a coffee shop if you wanted it to be a coffee shop if you want to come in and buy a coffee and leave that's fine You'll, I'll, I'll have the crack with you um, you ask me one question about coffee and that's it you know it, I will say right I can tell you about that but, and, I, and I will do like training and stuff from yeah. it so I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about it now, just trying to work out how it would actually work if I could possibly have like a coffee shop training center combo type thing. Yeah, where like both. I could do, but that would be like I wouldn't be able to do. I wouldn't be able to do the shop during the day, so it would have to be a thing where I'd have staff and work out like who's doing the training, who's like doing sessions, the, yeah, like throughout the day. And stuff. I'm trying to figure all that out, and then like because we go down to a guy in Dublin called Alan Geriada, who's mm. like uh, the coffee lab, and he's like Q accredited 
like the only one in Ireland, one of four in Europe, Whoa. that can do the level of training he can. Wow. So I'm looking at his training centre and the fact that he also has a cafe. Yeah. Basically going like, well, I eventually want to end up being Alan of Northern Ireland. Yeah, and right. having that name. And then, but again, it's like, you know, four in Europe, that's so impressive. It's cost and stuff as well. So we're just trying to figure out how it would actually yeah. work. Um, I think what I really want to do is at, at, at the start anyways, just to have a specialty coffee shop and uh, sort of in Bangor, I would say, um, that does everything that I wanted to do and that everything else in Bangor isn't doing at the minute. Okay. So there's no, nobody's that open in Bangor. There's like a true you know yourself with the coffee industry. You talk to somebody and you'll find out that their ex, ex's husband's daughter's boyfriend, sister's cousin's brother, and they're fully attached to this roastery because of that family connection. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of times where you go in and people try the coffee and they're, they're maybe saying like, um, it's lovely, but um, you know I'm, I'm I can't switch because he's my mate and I'm with him, and mm. I find that's very restrictive, especially yeah. in the coffee yeah, industry because like there's so much out there to try, yeah, and even as a guest and stuff like that, you know you want that openness, yeah, and uh, I find it's very. If I had a coffee shop, it would be one where, like, obviously we 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 would have more openness and we would let people try things and and rotate more guests. of an experience. And more of an experience. You come in, and you don't just get. We probably would have a house blend or something like that, something mm. that is constant to keep the, the customer base. But we would be very much in flux with everything else, like trying new ideas, trying new ideas, trying new brewing methods. That's cool. Like you know, like here we're doing V sixties this week for filter. Yeah. You know, if you're coming in and you want to fill there, it's going to be V60 That's my favourite. My favourite brand. Is V60. Yeah, all day long. It is quite fun to do. All day long. Uh, next week, we're doing cafetiers. Next week, it's cool. batch filter only. You know? That'll be cool. Um, and different. And again, like, you know, the reason I'm doing this uh, podcast, the reason I'm doing my blog, and the reason I work and I'm passionate every day is because I hope I can inspire one guy mm. that comes into Bob and Burt's. Mm-hmm. And I get to talk to him, and I hope I can inspire him to actually question where that coffee came from. Yep. Um, and that would be a massive way because like, if you're doing like say a fee sixty, what the hell is a fee sixty? Somebody's exactly. gonna ask that, and yeah. that just opens because they have questioned that. Mm. They don't have to; they can just walk out and not think about it again in that day. But they question it, and it opens you up to explain it. And then that could be a, a wee entry. They could try it and be like, "That's coffee." Exactly. I like that. So yeah. now they know they're. Somebody, somebody the walks brew. into the cafe and you go, yeah, we've got Chemex on today. And they're like, you're doing, we're putting what in my coffee? It's yeah, like it's Chemex, like what's a Chemex? It's yeah. like, it's this actually. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Because uh, when I heard Chemex, I was like, what do I, chemical explosives? What do yeah, I, like chemical a, explosives Are we able what? to consume this? And it doesn't Is make sense. Safe? But then you explain to somebody, it's like, it's actually this brew method that does this. Like mocha pots as well. Like, mm, you know, like yeah. mocha pots an old fashioned thing now. That, it is. But I didn't know how to use one originally. Yeah. And explaining that to somebody, it's like, this is what it does for you. Yeah. Um, so it would be like, you know, that would be the differences, would just be making sure it's all changing and explaining to people mm. why. And just trying having a coffee shop that doesn't let you come in and just pick a coffee. Yeah. Like, you need to know like a bit more information. Yeah, yeah. Like, in a restaurant, you're told about your food, you're told about your wine, you're told about your meat. But only a money you pay good money for. Exactly. So this is. I just want this to be somewhere where people can come, get a good drink, and have. Would your prices be higher? Would uh, your price point well, be higher because you're because you're giving this experience? I mean, mm-hmm. I would personally here in your ideal era, if I came in, I would want to pay more because like, I'm getting more. I suppose yeah, it would have to be something that would gauge in the area because again, if the, if the people aren't going to pay more, they're not going to pay more. So yeah, so you'd, you'd have to maybe think about that. 
have to do what you can. So like I would always, I would never go for a coffee. I'd never get the, never ever get the cheapest coffee. Obviously never ever. No I would always get like obviously 30 espressos. Yeah, Garth will look uh, after you. Garth will hopefully look after me. Yeah. Um, but uh, I would be, I would definitely have enough to make, you know, a bit of a, bit of a profit because I would be looking to expand it quick to do yeah. more education and stuff like that. And yeah. it would be sort of, if I had a higher price point, it would be prefaced with why. Yeah, like, this course. is what the goal is. Your vision's pretty big here. It's big, big vision, so we do need a wee bit of uh, something. Yeah. But um, I, I, under, I do understand, like, I, I, I have had to play about with price in other shops. Yeah, where of course. The price has gone up and I've had to just sort of put it back down again for yeah. customers because they stop coming and you lose your regulars and you have to do a bit of this and that. So Very. I suppose it depends. I think in Northern Ireland too, it's quite a difficult uh, customer base. Because yeah. I work in Scotland, England and Northern Ireland, quite lucky I get three different... Mm. Um, cultures are really uh, I find that England don't really question much depending on what part obviously mm. if you're in a working class area they're questioning everything because money's tight but um, they don't question as much in Northern Ireland if you put your coffee up by half a pence they will they'll be straight down on you yeah, they want to know. Think, you know following on from your question yeah what's the vision for the future yeah um, yeah I actually think we need to educate a lot more mm. educate the staff within coffee companies, mm. educate the customer, the owners of the environment, mm. educate their staff, yeah. and educate the general public, because I honestly believe there's a massive thirst for knowledge in terms of coffee, but it's how we get it across, and I think there needs to be a better understanding of what actually goes into that cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I, I, as I touched on earlier, the, it blows, people, blows people's minds when they, you know, they see what goes into it, you know, when we bring people, I didn't know coffee was green before it was roasted. Yeah. You, you know, you take a lot of things working in the industry for granted. So yeah. It's actually an education piece. I would, I would like to try and start with the, the next generation, start with the younger ones. When they're you know, young, yeah, absolutely. Actually get people and improve, you know, the, the barista isn't the guy that's just, oh, he just does that because he's just here, he doesn't know anything. Yeah. Actually, make the barista make the coffee a key aspect of what it is you're doing of course and when you do that then i think it becomes less about to put their coffee up 5p well i have because everybody within my company is at this level and you will get consistency and you ask the people within this company anything about the coffee yeah they know it and that's the reason why mm. and i honestly believe now that people don't mind paying for something if it's good mm. yeah i, I think, agree you know uh, the the days of cheap is best. No, I see a race to the bottom. That's not where it should be. Mm-hmm. It should be, let's make everything that we're doing the best we can possibly do it. And nobody questions it. And nobody questions it. Because You're right, yeah. Because they're getting what it says in the pen. That's a, I love that point. And I, I do talk about that quite a lot when I'm training new staff. Um, don't, don't give anyone food, like room to question. I was speaking, I was working in Carlisle in our store. And this guy came in one day and he was, you know when somebody walks through the door and you know they're a person, they're a big personality, oh, yeah, without yeah. them even speaking, mm. this guy was something special. I was like, this guy's been on TV or something. He's very, very big presence in this room, very big energy. And he came up and I was like, I'm just, I'm a very forward person. So I was like, I'm going to ask him what he does. He was dressed well. And again, I said earlier, like I always, if somebody, if somebody's in shape, mm. okay, I want to ask them what what's advice on mm. getting into shape? Because they've obviously done that, the, yeah. the journey. If you've got money, you've got good advice to give and I want to know it. Um, so this guy came up and I was like, can I just ask what do you do, sir? And he was like, I'm the head of uh, retail for EE. 
And I was like, wow, okay, okay. I, knew, I knew you were doing something big. Yeah, something and I just said, if there's one piece of advice you'd give me today, what would it be? And I'm not joking, no hesitation, as if he knew I was going to ask him a question. Uh, just straight back at me, he was like, see, in your job, what I would always do is be mindful of what's going on in your operation and never, never let somebody questioning your service or product deter you from what you're doing. He said, always, when somebody questions a price or the taste or flavor, always explain to them and ask and let them understand what goes into that. Mm-hmm. And that blew my mind. I, I really Confident thought, in your own product. Yeah, you know, basically. My, my product costs this, and here's the reasons why. Yeah, so just what you said there, you know. Um, and it's it so amazing because if somebody questioned before, I'm like, okay, like, you know, why are you questioning the price? Like, they're just, like, annoyed because it's expensive. But mm-hmm. stick up for the product, you know. Well, I'm, I bust my ass all day to make sure that everyone in this coffee machine is putting out amazing coffee, mm-hmm. you know? And at the end of the day, I'm in bed like, oh, I'm wrecked. Because there's so much hyper-focus here. Exactly. Like, la la, take one out. Is that right? No, we need to bring that back. Cues out the door. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. La la, is not being consumed. It's not right. We need to get that. And that is the moment somebody questions the price. Like, are you not seeing what goes into this? Yeah. This is a matter. You would never question. You wouldn't. 200 pound to see Real Madrid play. You're not questioning that because you know you're getting a show. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think one of the easiest jobs, well, maybe doing a disservice here, is a guy that sells like Porsche cars or Maseratis. If somebody walks through that door, they know the price. Yeah. Doesn't have to convince them why. Mm. Contrast that with a guy that's selling the 10 year old car. Yeah. They argue with 20 pound. Yeah. So somebody knows the price of that vehicle when they're walking in. Yeah. And they know that. They already want the product. You're not. You're not pitching to them. You're not yeah. pitching to them. You're just. You're, you're telling them what they're. You're writing down what color they want them in. Yeah. What toys they want yeah. yeah. So they don't have to justify that product. Interesting. So and get and, coffee to that level where you don't have to justify yeah. why. Exactly, and they align that. That's like, you know, the, the car salesman selling second hand is like the independent coffee shop, mm. and Starbucks is the Ferrari. You know, they don't need to pitch anymore. They pitched in 1971 okay. onwards, pitched very well, and now it sells itself. You know, people see the name, the brand, it's like, oh, it's going to be great. Exactly. But really, our job is to educate people and be like, actually, that they're pulling the wood over your eyes. Yeah. It used to be great, yes, they've done something good. And it's a nice, beautiful environment the to co- sit in. The coffee market's changing. It's changing every day. It's mm. being open to the change. Yeah. We're understanding why there's a change, and it's not a change for change's sake. You know, the first, the first espresso machine that um, was created hasn't changed in principle. Mm. But there's been a lot of improvements put on it. Yeah, they look a lot different now than they, they did back in the early 1900s. The principle of operations is okay. You know, the machines now, the, the better machines don't have heat exchangers, they have separate boilers. Yeah. That's for temperature control and all those aspects. Yeah. But the principle of it makes an espresso, it brews coffee under pressure, yeah. that's what it does. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Simple terms yeah. at the end of the day. Um, what are your opinions on the big coffee chains, guys? Like Starbucks, Costa, Nero? Do you, do you think, um, do you think we should be explaining to people that they're wrong or they're right or what do you I, I have a very firm belief that there's no right or wrong okay. in terms of because we don't all like the same coffee mm. we don't all like um, you know we don't all like our steak um, um, well done some people like it rare some yeah. people like it medium so I do think there's a place for everybody everybody yeah. but I think everybody should be at the top of their game if you know Starbucks brand standard is this yeah. Well, and that has to be what everybody within Starbucks does. Costa might have a different brand standard, which is fine, because that is 
appeals to a different section of yeah, the market. Yeah, and that's important. That's important. I, I would never say um, our coffee's better than theirs. Mm. Right? I would say our different. coffee is different, and here's the reasons why. Yeah. Just because I make a coffee and I think it's fantastic, yeah. you mightn't like it. You mm. might go, well, actually, I prefer that blend over that blend. Yeah. And depending on what your taste profile is, what it is you want, I can guide and go, well, here's what I think will work in your environment. And if you go, well, I want coffee roast this day, well, that, that's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't make it right or make it wrong. You know, we touched on earlier, the coffee in Italy is very, very different to the coffee in Scandinavia. Yeah. So who's, who's right and who's wrong? Exactly. The truth is they're both right. Mm. Because they both have a different style, they both have a different view on it, and you know it would be very arrogant to say. And I do hear companies going, you know, ours is better than everybody else's. I don't know that you can say that. Mm. You know, you can say we do better processes, and by better processes, we end up with this product, mm. which you know we feel we're getting the best out of that product. But to say we're better than somebody, very bold. It is very bold, and. You know, people want to go to Costa, Starbucks, Nero. Well, good luck to them. Yeah. Um, they enjoy something they, from they, that they, service. They enjoy something. I would steer and go. Let's try this product. Let's try this. Yeah. Um, but do you know what? All those chains. I think there's room for everybody. Okay. Interesting. I think there's room for everybody, and I think everybody that's on a coffee journey will be at a different stage. Mm. So. You know, we can't all be drinking espressos from day one. Some no people way. want can I have a can I have a single shot latte with a load of syrup in it? Yeah. Because that's the start of your journey. Mm. You then maybe move on to, you know, uh, a campana, a whatever drink you move on to. So if those chains that were there that are selling the, the large coffees loaded with um, syrup to, to, to adjust the flavour, if they weren't there then those people would never come into this environment and yeah, they would never start that journey. The start of the journey is the Starbucks when yeah. you're like, younger and then um, you do end up in an independent wanting espresso. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's impressive. Um, no, it's just something I, I always like to ask people this because um, I, I work for an independent chain. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to chains a lot, but I try when I'm, I purposely, when I'm in a new town, I always look for an independent. And I said to Lewis earlier, first thing I do is ask people randomly on the street, like, where's good for coffee here? Yeah. Um, and that's usually where you find mm-hmm. the best coffee. Not Google. Google yeah. will not tell you that. Mm-hmm. It's people on the street yeah. that are in here every day consuming. Uh, just sorry to answer answer about like, the, the chains and stuff. Yeah. Um, I would say that just... I would say we probably don't actually have to have strong opinions on them. Mm-hmm. I believe that, again, if we educate people, I'll learn how to do things properly and then just let them go. Yeah. They'll sort of figure out. They make their own mind up. They'll make their own mind up. Yeah. Because like everybody that's trained to make coffee is trained to keep your hands in the jug and never let it go. And when they go into these chains that stick on the coffee machine, put the steam on them and let it go and walk away and do something else, yeah. people are going to figure out that that's not the way to do it properly. Yeah. If you're showing people the likes of a machine like that, a traditional machine, and this is how you make your coffee and you explain to them about how many beans go into the, the hopper and how much you fill it and why and what happens if you leave it in there for too long yeah. and if they then they hear all this and they see somebody actively at a machine if they then go on to another chain and see that it's got a big kilogram hopper on the top of the machine that's full and it's just a big cylinder or a big grey box and you push a button that gives yeah. you coffee people again if, you, if people have been educated the right way they'll see that and they'll know that that isn't 
the way it's supposed to be yeah. done. So like, if this coffee, they, they walk past one coffee shop, it's got a milk jug sitting on the machine, steaming, nobody's at it, don't want to go or there. Or build up on the steam arm. I always find uh, it's like it's one. very interesting how many, uh, or the sound, you know when you walk in, the screeching, yeah. you can't even hear the music they're playing. You're like, am I? metal on steam. Like, so if you educate people to look for those things, which is actually something I do during the training sessions, and like you're listening, you're looking for all this stuff because you need to be. Sensory. You're a barista. If you're a barista looking at the machine, your main focus is behind you. What can you hear? So I think if we have educated everybody on what they should be doing, they'll see, like you're saying, they'll hear that noise walking past one coffee shop and they'll see the jug. They'll look into another one and see the machine and the fact that it doesn't have to actually be operated by anybody. Yeah. Then they'll see the independent or a chain that doesn't do that and they'll just go to where they know the quality Day and is. Night, isn't it? Exactly. Really, when you, when, you, when you understand the industry. Um, absolutely. Do you, going back to that point, it just popped in my head a question. Um, do you believe that the barista should be chatting to the customer? Do you believe that's an important part of being I, a barista? I, when it's busy, so put, I'll paint the scenario, like it's lunchtime, there's a queue, it's very busy, mm-hmm. all hands on deck. Do you believe that the barista speaking to a customer is taken away? Like if you were in that queue uh-huh. and the barista's chatting to you, like, all right, mate, did you see the match last night? Are you kind of in the back of your head thinking, this guy is not focusing on my flat wide and I'm a bit annoyed about that? Uh, or do you not mind? I think it depends entirely on... See, it's a hard one because, like, yeah, you you need to be talking to your customers, but like, and everybody, every, I, I'm guilty of it. Like, when you're out on the floor and there's one person, it's usually the it's usually the customer, yeah, that just because they're in having their lunch, that it's not busy to them because they're not busy. They're not. You are busy. Yeah, they want to have a chat, and you're trying to like find a way to politely. Can you stop talking to me yeah, so I can yeah. go and do the work? So I think you know when you've got people like that, that will they'll you might not even talk back to them. They'll just talk at you uh, while yeah, you're making the coffee. Yeah. So um, like I think it does depend on the person because there's some people don't want a conversation when you're making like there like you are there are people with that mindset like you said about like he's talking away to me here. How do I know this coffee's getting made properly? Yeah. So like I think it's the the customer is semi responsible for that that interaction okay so like it's like yeah spot on i'll get your 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 flat white on here now mate i have told you that i am now going to be busy mm-hmm. making your coffee yeah so it's like, your responsibility it, not to distract me not even that it's just that it's, it's an option yeah. you can talk to me if you want i can i i will maybe say you know how's it going yes yeah i'll throw out the starter questions yeah. and let you speak yeah i think it's the barista's idea to in, in, initiate the conversation and let the customer speak because most of the time whenever you're the barista's a barman it's mm. just a non-alcoholic barman yeah like people go to the bar on the weekends and the coffee shop every other day of the week yeah. so I don't, I don't think there's necessarily a straight answer to that question yeah, okay. in my opinion it depends very much on the scenario yeah, it yeah. depends what's going on and just as lewis is touching there on a barman a good barman can be pulling a pint of guinness for you and taking orders from other people yeah and pulling theirs while he's still talking to you yeah so he's providing the good service to this customer who wants a conversation and he's providing the good service to this customer he's who wants he's not drink. waiting because they're already wants, getting served their drink mm. and you know mm. a good barista should be able to make oh. coffee and hold conversation yeah, you know, yeah. they're listening to the sounds they're listening to the noise they're listening you know if i would suggest if somebody talking to you while you're making a drink puts you off your game you need to up your game. You need to up your game. Okay. Absolutely. But I think it's very much dependent on what's going on. Yeah, um, the, the situation. If there's nobody else in the shop, just don't 
maybe on and the Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all, it's all part of it. And, but I, I think that comes down to the personality of yeah. Barista mm-hmm. too, where he can manage that situation by telling that person that, uh, telling that person in a subliminal way almost that I'm still talking to you, but I'm just taking those guys' orders. And it can be as simple as, you know, yeah, absolutely, what can I get you? And you go back to them and they're saying, yeah, get that on for you now. Yes. Yeah. You're still interacting. That, that's where, yeah. you know, we spoke about it earlier. That's where good staff are worth the written gold because they're providing the service to three different people. On they're three doing something that's quite magic. Yeah, absolutely. When you and understand it. When you're an owner and you sit in the background and you watch that member mm-hmm. staff do that, you go, yeah, it's clever. Uh, at the end of the day, in a full tilt situation where everybody's busy and there's a line, I know, I know this because I've done it, a good barista should be able to be making the coffee that needs to be made, having a conversation with somebody else, I have one ear on the blender with a milkshake in it in the background. Because mm. there's so many different things that you might need, you need to be able to multitask in general. Yeah, yeah. So customers, it's subjective whether or not they want the conversation or not, but you should be. You able learn to read that, don't you? You, you learn. You, you see people are like just it's a, hair, it's a hairdresser. Yeah. 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 You sit down, you know, or barbers or whatever, yeah. and ask you the question, well, where are you going to hold it? Nowhere. It's like, great, they don't want to talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They so want to relax, right? Just, now. just cut my hair. Let me know when you're done. Cut that's what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And a good barber that understands that will get the return customer. Yeah. Because if you, you might go, the return and you're like oh last time he chatted the air off me and i really like talking about i think the question should be not should the barista be able to hold a conversation it should just be um the barista should be multi-skilled or so along the lines of like read the situation read the, read the situation barista should be yes. able to understand the situation and react accordingly like so that if a full conversation with somebody 100 percent Full conversation while it's fully busy, 100%. Half yeah. conversation, fully busy. Whatever the situation needs, the barista should be able to fill the gap. Um, Absolutely. And be able to stop and just change the situation if it's not working. So yeah. if you're trying to have a conversation with somebody and you're trying to make coffees, but you know there's other staff on and you, there's other stuff needs done and it just might be outside your control mm. that you can't do you know, because you're. If I, I, you've, I've had to manage three other members of teenage staff while also making coffees and talking to somebody, and I have to be like, I'm really sorry, mate. I'm gonna have to stop for a second here because the staff also need my attention as well. So yeah, of being course. able to explain to your customer why you need to disengage, yeah, to do something else instead of just going stop. Yeah, I'm not helping you anymore. Don't yeah. you know you can't just pan the customer yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Being able to just have fully going back to having control. The barista should always be in control of the cafe situation and that and the customers aren't stupid they know they can read it they can read the situation and you being able to acknowledge that and say like we're a wee bit busy i'm gonna have to do the work because there's more than just one customer there yeah you might be rude to one customer but if you're keeping a five minute conversation with them because you don't want to be rude you're making everybody else wait true very much reading the situation yeah, I mean, yeah. reading the scenario there, there's actually a fantastic book and now the title of it sounds bad it's called surrounded by idiots okay okay um, and I would urge everybody to read it. It goes into people's different traits and it kind of colours you, whether you're red, blue, green or yellow. And everybody's different and everybody has, if a red, per se, was talking to a green, right, they don't fully understand each other. It doesn't make the red or the green stupid, it just means they process things differently. Absolutely. So once you understand they process things in this way and they process things in that way, mm. it's up to you then to adjust what it is you do to actually get the person because if you're if you're passing on knowledge and you're passing on training 
a massive part of that has to be that the person you're training understands. Understand if who they, you're talking to. If they don't understand, well then you have to adjust what you're doing. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to adjust what they're doing. They're the trainee, you're the trainer. So they, you have to, okay, I have to look at this differently. I have to explain this differently. I remember years ago you talked about coaching football. Mm. I did as well, I did for about 10 years. Class. And I remember at a very young age, trying to get my goalkeeper to pick the ball up. Okay. okay. And the ball kept coming into the box and he wouldn't pick it up. So I explained to him, this ball when it comes into the box, is like your favorite toy. And somebody's coming to take your favorite toy. Every time the ball came into the box, he jumped on it. Pick Smart. It up. Yeah. So you have to, I could have told him, when that ball comes in, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. He wasn't doing it, so let's adjust. He's not how will he understand? How will he understand? I said that. And that's, these were very young kids. That's your favourite toy. Smart, yeah. Somebody's coming to take it. Yeah. So he, and he was like, the ball was, in the, he was down on top of it. Yeah. And I was like, so that's, my, my goal was to get him to pick the ball up. Fast. Was in the box, before anyone else before gets it. Before anyone else. Yeah. And it was a, so, I could keep saying and just blindly keep him doing the same thing that I'm saying. It's not working. Let's change what I'm doing to get him to understand. Okay. That's amazing. I'm going to read that book because that sounds very interesting. Fantastic book. I love that. Very good. Um, have you ever heard of Tim Grover? No. No? So he have you heard of Tim Grover? I haven't actually. He was Michael Jordan's coach. Right, okay. He coached Kobe Bryant as well. Ah, it's been a movie that's out about him, is there? Or... I think there's something being processed. Yeah. Uh, but... It's, he's touched on in The Last Dance, okay. like that, that, that was obviously a famous documentary mm-hmm. about the, 90, um, the 90s Bulls, I love, I'm just fascinated by like sports teams that just like a dynasty and they, again, I can relate the, the cafe culture, the hospitality industry, like why did that team do so well, the culture of that team was set right, mm-hmm. the players, they weren't playing for each other, they were a team yeah. and they understood, big personalities, Dennis Rodman, yeah. uh, controlling him, got ever done that like Phil Jackson needs a medal mm. controlling that personality but he did it well and again you're talking about understanding your team and your players and your customers uh, and your students that's the, the best as a football coach or a basketball coach because Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman all have different brains but it's the same message. We need this ball and that net, and we need more points than this team. So we need to explain to them. Yeah. How, how, you need to explain to them potentially three different ways. And yeah. I, I found when, as the kids got older, there were some kids that responded better when you kind of semi had to go at them. And there was other yes. kids that responded better when you give them a metaphorical hug. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you can't A softer that. approach. Absolutely. Yeah. And explain to them. And I think, you know, explaining why you're doing things is yeah. such a key key thing yeah we're not just blindly we're doing this because i say so mm-hmm. we're doing this because here's how it affects things mm. and that, yeah. that's key painting the vision for them mm. and then it helps them reach it, it helps yeah. them process yeah. it and they process it in their own way and again don't lose sight of the fact that your whole purpose as a trainer is to get that person to understand it's not to stand and repeat yourself for an hour and a half two yeah. hours yeah. three hours just spewing out knowledge because that's you've done nothing. Yeah, you're not just like, well, I'm getting paid no matter what. Uh, your 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 purpose is to um, make sure that that person understands. And I go back to what I said to Lewis earlier. That's my only question. Does everybody that's in there that was trained understand how to do it? Yep. Yes or no? That's not have you. Not have you went and spoke at somebody for two hours. You know he's good at it. Do they? Yeah. Do they understand what you've said? They, yes or no? Are the results showing? And that's like yeah. why I said. So it. that's up to you. It's like what I said about earlier. It's like if you ask me to do like there's things there's a load of people out there, um, especially people who have had jobs before where they have like you know we say use your initiative. That's a good one. Use your initiative. Then you go into a job and you use your initiative and they go but not like that. 
Mm. When you do something that you feel is correct, yeah. and you've been shown a way to do it, or you've yeah. been shown what the end result is, and it's like, but use your initiative. You yeah. know, if you think something's going to work, and then you do it, and then somebody comes down on you like a ton of bricks, you don't really want to use your initiative again. Yeah, it's like, well, I tried that, uh, didn't work. That's not, I'm not going to do it. So, then as, as an owner, it's your responsibility to. I would be a great believer in if people try, right? Mm. But it's then how you handle it. If you look yeah. and go, that's not how I'd have done that, right? Mm. You don't go and have a go at them. You go, okay, I see what you did, and this works, I guess. But it's the results we got. What yeah. about trying this? You're saying the same thing, just in a better way. Yeah, absolutely. That's how you deal with people. That, that's what's very important because if you've been in a job where you've done, you've had the same situation over and over again, where yeah. they just come down on you and come down on you and come yeah. down on you, when you get to that situation where you shy away from making decisions. You shy away from yeah. making decisions because you don't want to make a mistake and then yeah. you never learn and then you end up in that situation where it's like, well, you've just been crap because you have not done what I've told you to do. Yeah, and, and if you don't make decisions, then you don't get, you know, nothing happens. Yeah, action is very important. It's like, words are cheap, I always say. Because mm -hmm. like you go into a store and people are like, oh, well, that's what I, like, my plan was this for the month and I'm going to do this and that. And it's great. You sound amazing. See on paper, the owners all love this. You're going to be the best manager in the company. Then it's like, Right, what have we, so you've got this vision, but what are we actioning? What, what, what's, what, what's being achieved? Yeah, have you started action any process towards this? Mm. No, nah, like it's been busy and we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it, it's like, it's just so cheap. I just think words are so hollow. Mm. You know, depth is in action, yeah. and I always believe that. Um, be critical of yourself mm. is a key thing. Okay, so I, I did this and it didn't work, why didn't it work? Don't just believe you're awesome. Mm. Be critical of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Probably I would suggest the person you need to be hardest on is yourself. Okay. Absolutely. That's who you need to be most critical of. You know, why why doesn't that work? You know, I honestly believe too that an individual step in training is to take individual responsibility. Hmm. So if I'm not going to be responsible for what I'm doing, stop the it's everybody else's fault why something didn't work. Yeah. Well, what could I have done different? Before yeah. I start pointing the finger at anybody else, what could I have done? Did I do the best? Did I put everyone in the best position? Again, yeah. go back to the football coach, you know, I got beat in the final and I prepped for that final with those boys the best that I thought I could. I came home that night and sat in the house and went, what could I have done different? Now, yes, there's players in the pitch could have done things different, yeah. but my first protocol was, what could I have done different? Yeah. Why did I do? And it was simple things like, see at the start when I was talking to them, I should have stood there instead of there. Mm. And the sun wouldn't Small have Small details. Just, and that was the first thing I did. I was like, what could I have done different? Before I'm going to critical of anybody else, what can I have done? Did I do everything in my power mm -hmm. for these boys? Absolutely. But before you start pointing the finger at anybody else, you've got to make sure that you're in the clear or have accepted your... Yeah, your otherwise you just look, you look like an idiot. Exactly. Because like, everyone's looking at you like, well, you know, coach. Like, yeah, you know, there's a lot you didn't do on the build up to this. Exactly. That so, Tim Grover point, that uh, he's a, an amazing guy. And if when you look into him, there's a reason like you look at Kobe Bryant and... Michael Jordan and there these amazing athletes that achieved so much and again all these points we talk about it just I always relate the coffee Tim Grover interestingly kind of reminded me when you were talking earlier about your network and how you went out with a sleeping bag in your mum's car and I love that story uh that's like the the old-fashioned way of LinkedIn yeah. and the way people now would network is I would grab my phone go on Instagram LinkedIn Twitter and I would contact people that have done it or suppliers and be like, can I work for you? This is what I do. That's a lazy way of doing it. Your, your way is way more authentic. It's great. You just show up with your sleeping bag, like with the <laughs> hunger in your belly. Like this is, I want to do this. this, is my vision. Tim Grover at the start was just a PT, just a young PT. And he knew he wanted to train for high performance mm -hmm. athletes, but with no reputation, 
and again like kind of like you know yourself and mm-hmm. you said you wanted to be a coffee trainer but how do i how do i get there yeah tim grover asked himself that question and he actually sent a letter to every basketball player in the Buddhist team mm-hmm. apart from michael jordan Ooh. so he, he, he went i love that angle yeah. he, he was like how do i make michael jordan want me? I went and I got one. Exactly. Who is he? Exactly. Yeah. Who's this guy? I've never heard of him. It's, it's the it's the old Yorkie scenario. Now, I know it would be a bit politically incorrect now, but they used to have their brand on Not For Girls. That was brilliant. Right, okay. Do you remember Yorkie? Yeah, you, one of their marketing campaigns that said on the Yorkie bars, Not For Girls. Right. And, oh, I mean, why can't I have a Yorkie? That's smart, I didn't know that. No, you probably wouldn't get away with it now. Whoa, but. no way. No way. <laughs> There's a but, lot of marketing campaigns that were very that out there. Was, for me, that was, that's kind Smart, of, yeah. yeah. I love stuff like that. Yeah, so it's like, the, the, the old-fashioned meal, so it's not for girls I can eat it. Yeah. And the girls can well, I eat it too. Yeah, I'll see, show you that I can buy it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, your sales are soaring. Yeah. All these girls are soaring. Yeah, and I wonder, did they, you know, did they look at their figures and say, well, a lot of meals are buying this? Why are females not? Our target, our target market. Our, sorry, our demographic is male oriented, yeah. and we want to improve. So the best way to tell some, get somebody to tell them they can't have it. You know, don't press that red button. I want to push it so bad. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and humans are we're triggered like that. We are yeah. programmed that way, definitely. Mm. When you are, you don't want something like I'm. I'm not really in the mood for avocado right now. But see if you both said to me. There's avocado next door, fresh, but you can't have it. That's when you frost it. Special, yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, then we were like, I really want that, though. Yeah. You know? It's so it, it's interesting. Uh, it's funny, what was the one was, uh, if you, even if you don't want it, and, and something, somebody tells you you can't have it, or if you're going to do something, it's like, yeah. well, I'm just going to go and, uh, just going to go and wash the dishes. But if somebody said, could you wash the dishes while you were walking to the dishes, there's a part of your brain that stops you, like, no, I've been told to do it now, so I've yeah. I feel like I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, it's of course. Like it's like when you're a kid, like it's definitely the mentality I had when I was a boy anyway. Like, you know, if my mum told me I can't or do to do something, you know, you want to make up your own mind. Uh, you're always looking to be your own person. You take then. control by doing yeah. the opposite of what you've been told exactly, to do. Exactly, exactly. Um, guys, I'm happy enough. I've I've not even asked all the questions, but you guys have been so good. You've actually answered a lot of stuff that I wanted to touch on, which is brilliant because that's the way I, I always want my conversations to go. Um, before I stop, do you have any questions for me? No, I just I listened to your vision, obviously, about you know improving the industry, improving yeah. the standards, improving everything about it. I just wish you every success with it. I think it's really exciting. I think it's a fantastic industry. And I think for anybody to get into hospitality, but coffee specific, they will they will be rewarded absolutely mm-hmm. such a career. Yeah. I also I just want to say that. thank you again for, for speaking to us as well and for, for contacting uh, or for specifically being as as impressed as you say you were by my, my passion. It's just I am I'm quite happy that it shows. Um, absolutely especially what not it wasn't even to yourself directly. The fact that you somebody out there you I got, got your card. My passion through somebody else yeah. and wanted to speak to me about it. Like, I'm quite happy that that's starting to show through with, with different people. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm, I, same as Gareth, uh, I think it's brilliant what it is, what your goal is and how you're doing it. Um, I th- and again, the fact that it's, that you know Josh and what Josh's goal is as well, how that ties in as well with, because yeah. me and him have had basically had the same idea and then you're doing it again through the blog. I think that's just a really good We're, we're all, again, like the culture, like the team, on the bigger scale, on the broad scale, we're all in the same industry. Aye. So we all have this vision. We all want people to take that's, it serious. That's everybody raise it. Yeah, yeah everybody of course. Raise. And we all play our part. Every time we open our mouths and talk about the industry, yeah. 
positive speech, how do we talk about it? Yes, do we entice people? That Josh, yourself, Gareth, and me have all said the same things from different angles. He's like it's ed- class, educate, it. educating through yeah. like service to make sure that everybody fully understands their machines. Mm. I want to educate through training so that people actually know what to do. Yeah. Josh wants the kids trained so that they've got a chance. Yeah, like start to, at the younger level. Start at the younger yeah. level. And Makes sense. want to just broaden people's minds in general. So it's, it's the fact that it's quite clearly been decided Everybody's seen like the, the so people in the industry that have been in it for a while now are starting to look at it and go, this industry's growing, and nobody has any idea that it is. Yeah, somebody's Somebody's got to point this out to people yeah. and bring more people in because like we're now running with the professional baristas and then the the new starts and that's it. Yeah, there's very few people that are making their way up. Yeah, it's just you get new starts and the professionals and then these guys quit. And more come in. So yes. there's only two levels now, yeah. and it needs to it needs to deepen. As you said, there needs to be more people across everything, so that we can have like an actual, uh, just a, a bigger community of people that know about coffee and know what they're doing. Yeah, and more opportunities. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. No, no problem. Thank you very much. Thanks.